Blog Talk Radio. You are now tuned into Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes with your host, Jay and Trey. Movies still exist. We kind of forgot about them in this past year of coronavirus, or at least we treated them more as uh, home entertainment instead of trying to figure out what's really, really good and what should be Oscar-worthy and all that. Uh, but yeah, there were still Oscars. There's still Oscar nominations. There's still an Oscar ceremony. It just hasn't taken place yet. It's later than it normally is in the year. It's taking place tomorrow night. A lot of people forgot and, and just didn't know. Uh, but we're here, we remember, and we got it broken down and ready to go. You are listening, indeed, to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Saturday night, April the 24th, 2021. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Dave, the movie expert, will be here. I'm communicating with him. He's having trouble getting in, but uh, oh, there he is right now. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Dave, are you connected? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? We can hear you just fine. Good. I, 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 how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. It's always an adventure trying to get in on these shows. Uh, it, it's it's not you, uh, Jerry, the wrestling expert, had trouble getting in uh, on our last show. Uh, so it's just it's one of those things. It's it's hit or miss. And uh, if you wind up dropping in the middle, just call right back because that happens too. Uh, so we're we're prepared for all of those uh, situations. And you got the phone number to call in as well. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, Jay, how are you doing tonight? I didn't get a chance to really address you. No, I'm doing well. I I'm not asleep. So that's a, that's a bonus to start the show. You didn't, you didn't have to text me and, and wake me up to tell me that there was a show tonight. <laughs> Although that's looking all, at the... Always great. Looking at the list of the uh, of, of these movies this year, uh, I, I probably I, I thought I didn't know much about the NCAA brackets. I probably <laughs> know even less this year about the, these Oscar movies. So it seems like each year uh, we have less and less. But I, I I'll actually have a little rant about that when the time comes. Uh, okay. we, we had talked about it briefly uh, a couple of maybe a couple months back about one of the movies that was popping up and. Uh, one of the things I've noticed this year, and I, I understand that this is COVID-driven, but yeah, a little, little, little something a little bothering, but bothers me this year about this year's Oscar nominations. Something's gnawing at you. Uh, Something so we'll is gnawing at that. me. Yes, yes. Yeah. Gnawing at my brain as I look at this <laughs> list. Hmm. <laughs> um, they, we, the, the very little that we've talked about these movies basically was I kind of asked you what was like good, what was Oscar worthy, because you have seen every one of the of, of the movies that are actually nominated for Best Picture, um, and yeah, just your thumbnail sketch. What's actually decent as far as these movies? Not necessarily who's gonna win. We'll we'll certainly get that and get your picks as far as that goes. But just in general, uh, because Jay sort of talked about it looking down the list you go um okay i, I think i okay that one i yeah I, i've heard of that i kind of heard of that <laughs> but um 
I, I love, well, uh, so what, are they are these movies really like good are are there really movies that are Oscar worthy in, in your opinion or is this kind of a, a mismatch this year no uh, I would say Mank is the biggest chore for me to sit through this year <laughs> it was uh, a lot of nothing going on promising young woman was the most fulfilling mm. to captivated I don't know you you probably I don't know if you guys have seen the trailers for these films I just but, sat and uh, saw all the trailers. Yes, I haven't seen any any of the movies at all, but I did see all the trailers. Yeah, Promising Young Woman explains exactly what's happening in the trailer. She goes to bars, picks up guys. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I would say Promising Young Woman was probably the most the most compelling film. So was I that was your, already was that your favorite movie out of the bunch? That and the trial of the Chicago Seven, but that's that's a completely different story for me because I'm fascinated by Chicago history right. and I knew about the Chicago Seven, Eight, or Ten, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm very familiar with the riots and the, not the riots, the march and the people that were in Lincoln Park and Grant Park in the march and wanted to do the amphitheater. Anyway, I was familiar with that story entirely. So I was looking forward to seeing that, and I've seen it maybe three or four times by now, the trial of the Chicago 7. Um, so, yeah, Promising Woman, and for my own reasons, Chicago 7. Yeah, I think we um, would be I – I think we could all admit a little bit of bias, uh, all being from Chicago, about, yeah. right, about some of the selections for this year. Yeah. Well, certainly. Certainly, Chicago Seven and Judas and the Black Messiah. It's like, hmm, let's see. This really was the year for uh, '60s uh, political and police unrest in Chicago. We got that <laughs> yes. covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we they, they, completely they, covered. Well, you know, they tend to double up on these movies. You know, we had the year where we had Volcano and Dante's Peak, and then we had the year where we had <laughs> then we had the year where we had Deep Impact and Armageddon. So they kind of double up on these. Where they you know, this year it was you know it was political unrest and and, and racial tensions in in our hometown, so they they doubled down on that. They just did it in a dramatic way versus a big Hollywood uh, tentpole type uh, you know movie. And that reminds me of like two or three years ago, they, it felt like there were like two or three movies about uh, the First World War or something like that. They, but yeah, when they find a theme, they really hammer down on it. Yeah. So, you know, you probably, obviously, these are productions and these take a long time to make. And, you know, and then last year kind of threw everything for a loop as far as release dates. And 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 who and some of these movies probably sat in the can, um, I would guess, for a while. Uh, we've got movies that were supposed to come out last year that are still in the can. And they uh, extended the, the deadlines and all that. So these aren't exactly 2020 movies anyway. They, some of these just got released like three and a half hours ago, and they're eligible for Oscars. You win a prize. That's what I'm pissed <laughs> off about. Here's my rant. <laughs> when I'm going up and down this list, and I talked about this when we had talked about Judas and the Black Messiah, right? I remember talking to you about like seeing mm-hmm. the Entertainment Weekly that was in my in the bathroom at my house, the magazine, and it was talking about Judas and the Black Messiah being like an Oscar movie. I'm like, this movie isn't even out. <laughs> and yeah. that's what bothers me the most is I, this is an American 
production. This is Hollywood, you know, slapping itself on the back. But these are the Oscars for the movies of 2020, albeit, you know, it was it was a compressed year and not as much came out as was supposed to. Four of the eight top picture nominees, right, came out in February of this year. <laughs> yeah. February. And you're already and now and you're oh, oh best picture. You know, I, I just started hearing about this uh, Anthony Hopkins movie. I just started hearing about the father. I, I literally just started hearing about that movie. It feels like a month ago, and here it is. It's on the list for best picture. So three minutes ago, just got released. Uh, I, I understand they're getting cute here. But they're getting really cute. I mean, I we always knew that they were always trying to get the movies in at the deadline, like right at Christmas time, and those were going to be your 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 sleep talky, you know, stuffy English dramas that were all going to go up for Best Picture, and they would release them literally that week between Christmas and New Year's because they wanted to get in. February's a bit much. Sorry, guys. This 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 is like almost farcical to me as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find the father. I couldn't find the father anywhere to view it via streaming. Okay. And I actually had to sit in a theater and watch that film. It was me and my what? mother and nobody else in the whole theater. <laughs> <laughs> Not, and, I, right. and I have a hunch it was due to COVID now, and because it was the father. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, we're going to ask you the best question now. If it's you and your mother in an empty movie theater, are you wearing a mask? No, I'm not wearing a mask. Okay, all right. Just, <laughs> just, wanted, just wanted to make sure. I saw Mortal Kombat on Thursday. I didn't wear a mask the whole time. So, <laughs> in okay. theaters, got it. I yeah, my my my, uh, my most recent movie going experience was a few weeks ago with my kids because we, even though we were fully prepared to watch it on TV, uh, we wanted to actually go to the movie theater to see uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Mm. And so Good we actually choice. we actually went to the movie theater to see it. And now my son's watched it at least another. Uh, two, three times on HBO Max before it disappears next week. So, But that, to me, was like, if we're going to make the trip out and we're going to venture to the movie theater, I'm going to go see something big, loud, dumb, you know, movie theater yeah. spectacle, action. And uh, it, it didn't disappoint. I'm a, you know, My son and I are big Godzilla fans, and so my daughter is too, in a way. So, Oh, man, I am too. When they oh. brought out – you know, I don't want to give anything away, but they, they brought out uh... – yeah, I don't think you're spoiling it for Dre unless he's got plans to. <laughs> la, 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 I can't hear anything. La, 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 la. When they brought out Mechagodzilla, I, yes. freaked, I freaked out, Jay. I was like, oh, my God, they're doing this. Yeah. I no, I, that, I, I, appreciate the current, I appreciate the current MonsterVerse paying homage to the, you know, to the Toho films and, oh, and yeah. trying, trying to incorporate things in from that way. So, no, I, I, I had a blast. So me and my kids had a great time doing that. But that was like our first time in the theater. We only uh, made the venture out one time, I think, in 2020, maybe two if we went before COVID. So that was that was fun. You know, and the, the theater experience was totally different because you you have to buy your seats. You, you get your assigned seats. You uh, are, you know, they have like your what I got the one block of four seats next to each other in the whole theater. And then there's nobody next to us, and then there's a little, then there's a group, and then nobody next to them, and then just so it's basically half capacity, capacity in the theater. I remember we we have this program at the movie theater where we get this bucket. We bought it in 2019, but because you know, and they let us carry it over all the way down into 2021. But you can go into the theater, 
and you take the bucket, you clean it out, right? You take the bucket in and you can get refills of popcorn, like a big bucket. You can get a refill for like $4, right? Which is crazy for yeah. a movie theater. This is how they did it. I walked up, I'm like, wanted to refill out my bucket? They literally <laughs> reached out to the counter, grabbed a giant uh, plastic bag of popcorn and handed it to me. Oh my God. And a little plastic cup full of butter and handed it to me. And some salt packets. I was like, this <laughs> yes. is what we get now. Yes. The movie my, my mother loves her popcorn with salt, and they handed her salt packets. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, I like, you want to talk about so disappointing, not being able to get it out of the, the little beat-up shaker, right. you know, and kind of get that fine salt mist going over the popcorn. You couldn't do that. You literally had to put in packets of salt. So you ended up with, like, three bites that were all salt, and the rest of the popcorn was salt. <laughs> And then oh, the butter, you're trying no to – literally, I'm sitting in my seat trying to butter the popcorn in the seat, in the seat. <laughs> uh, this, yeah. But I will give them, uh, I will give them some, some props because the bag they gave me filled the bucket twice. Oh, wow. Wow. So that was nice. I actually had enough to bring extra, <laughs> extra home. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was our movie-going experience. So uh, after the train wreck of uh, the Tom and Jerry movie that Dre and I discussed – Oh boy! Uh, the, 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 yeah, so no, no. Godzilla uh, versus Kong, big thumbs up. Uh, I loved it because, but that's also that's that's in my wheelhouse. So, as for the rest of these movies, I have no clue. Popcorn coming out, out of your ear sounds like out, good. Sounds that, good. That just that just came out a few weeks ago. Why can't that be up for Best Picture? Uh, yeah. Just wait. <laughs> The show isn't until tomorrow night, Jay. You got to <laughs> no, I, first of all, not best picture material. Uh, oh. Maybe, maybe uh, technical stuff. It's a gorgeous film, you know. Yeah. So if you want to, if you just want like, you know, CGI porn, eye candy, it definitely, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the how they've blurred the line between what's real and fake now in movies is just astounding. <laughs> But that's no good though with the popcorn. That you got to get it out of the machine because it's like a sourdough starter. You got to have the popcorn butter and the salt from like 1935 yeah. that gets mixed in with every new batch that they make because you can taste that oldness in the popcorn. That's mm-hmm. that's part of the charm. That's almost the only reason that it's worth five dollars a bucket or whatever. But like a you five? said, you got your <laughs> well. That's depending just on where you go. Bucket. You buy a normal <laughs> bucket of popcorn. It's probably it's like eleven. It's like going to a ball game. Right, it's like getting a beer for twelve bucks. Yeah, I know, um, but yeah, that's that's no good to, to have to butter your own popcorn and salt it. No, that that does that, 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 that shouldn't count. Yeah, in the theater with a little uh, plastic cup, trying to dr- and it's sticky. You know, yeah, it's butter. Yeah, you know, you're trying to. I'm surprised they didn't uh, give you the butter packets and you had to warm them up between your hands. <laughs> yeah, it was, and that was not exciting, but I enjoyed the movie exhibition, being at the movies with my kids. And it was, of course, it was in the big reclining, you know, that's all you can get now at these theaters. It seems like you can't just get the old, you know, like ballpark seats. You get all the recliners with the, um, you know, some of them actually have uh, like vibration, all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. You should be able to. It's good to see that they're taking those ridiculous prices that they're charging you and actually putting yeah. it back into the theater. It's, 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 at least it's worth it a little bit. Yeah. So that was, that was my journey to the theater. So now I'm imagining Dave and his mom by themselves yeah. in the theater watching 
the father. Oh my god. Yeah, the father. Uh, that's my only pushback to your to your rant, uh, Jay. Is I understand the frustration that it carries over into now January, February. But my only pushback is it's obviously special circumstances with with everything that happened last year, and it's not all that different from every other year when they shove everything in right before New Year's, as you already mentioned. Yeah. Well, uh, and it's so, funny because the oldest movie on this list came out in October. That was the Trial oh, of Chicago Seven. That came out in October. Every other movie on the list was December forward. Every other movie on this list. And you know what? Most years, that's 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 about right. There's that's nothing crazy. that's re- you know, there's nothing that's released before July. Uh, you know, back me up, back me up on this, Dave. There's, if you release it before July, you basically are saying this is not really Oscar worthy. We're just releasing it to make money. Right. Black Panther, though. Black Panther went up for Best Picture, I believe. But they, they, but they, 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 it did get nominated for Best Picture, but they were going after the Bucks. Of course. And they that got was the Bucks. That was, that was the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, yeah. Which is and rare. After, and I think it came out in February. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was after they release. expanded the number of nominations to 65, I believe. So, yeah, um, <laughs> they, they, they were able to fit that in. Uh, you know that wouldn't have been nominated if it was just, if it was a regular five movies. Come on, they they expanded that for for movies just like that. But but I digress. Um, but yeah, it's not surprising that there was nobody else in the theater for uh, to to see the father. It was just you and your mother. That's just it, it's how it goes with those types of movies. I've sat through many uh, movies in December where it was like me and my wife and like three other people. That's that's not surprising at all. Um, yeah. So the movies on the list uh, that are nominated for Best Picture, um, so I guess we can go one by one. Um, do you have any uh, uh, odds up that you were looking up, Jay? I do have uh, Vegas Insider. You know what? I am not being funny on the spot here. I usually have the Oscar odds. 2021. Yeah, there we go. The only reason I ask is because sometimes you 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 got them and I didn't know you had them. So yeah, it's, that's always been. I forgot that that's. You know, this is such a been such a weird year. That's always sort of been my job. So okay, uh, I've got the odds up. Vegas Insider, same as you. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a reason uh, why Dave feels like he suffered through the father. Uh, <laughs> it'll win you a lot of money if you put money on it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, he said he, 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 he said he suffered ahead, through Mank. He said that was the one oh, that was okay. uh, hard yeah, to sit okay. through. So, so the father was good? The father was good, yes. Okay. Um, so yeah. I won't go uh, – I, I, I don't want to spoil uh, Dave's pick for uh, by going by the odds, but – Every movie we talk about, I'll talk about the odds afterwards. But what I will do is give the Rotten Tomatoes score for for uh, for each movie. And with with that in mind, just because he mentioned Mank, I want to bring that one up first because uh, lowest Rotten Tomatoes score critic and audience critic only eighty three, which is pretty low. Audience sixty. How does this, how does this get nominated for Best Picture if it's that low in ratings? You know. <laughs> It, that movie is really for people who are fans of 1930s Hollywood, which unfortunately most of that generation is already gone. Uh, yeah. And it's filmed just like Citizen Kane, which most of us my age and younger have not seen Citizen Kane unless you're a film student. Um, and it's about the, the writer who wrote 
Citizen Kane and Orson Welles is in the film or an actor who plays Orson. Um, but it was, uh, it was really, I, I, I was looking forward to it to see Gary Oldman, who's my favorite actor of all time. But uh, the film just was dragged on. So, so what you're saying is just skip that and watch Citizen Kane. Yeah, you could watch Citizen Kane and get more out of it, yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, my viewpoint of the movie from the trailer it, uh, looked like basically drunken screenwriter battles demons to write Citizen Kane for Orson Welles. It looked like it was artsy and trying to be deep. And, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm not quite sure why they got nominated but uh it is uh plus 3300 that is not the the longest odds uh so it's 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 in the it's in the ballpark but uh but but it's up there uh so yeah toughest watch and and obviously toughest watch means uh low critic score and low audience score so you're right on that dave going by the score like there's nothing anywhere remotely close to 60 in the rest of these movies that is just like yeah that that's uh that you're batting a buck 50 basically if you're uh pulling a 60 and you're nominated for best picture. Can you imagine uh, something that low uh, in the rankings being nominated for like best player or something like that? Like a, a buck 80 hitter gets an MVP nod. I, I, uh, I, MVP, I don't understand uh, how that got nominated. Wow. Well, just to, just to give you some perspective on that, Godzilla versus Kong is a 75 on the tomato meter and a 91 audience score. <laughs> Put it up on the board. Put it on the board. <laughs> yes. 20, 2022 is, the, is going to be the year of Godzilla. You're going uh, to no, be leading I, the no. charge. Uh, no. Uh, where was, uh, one of the Japanese Godzilla movies won Best Picture in Japan, but uh, I don't foresee any American ja- uh, Godzilla movies winning any awards here, unless they're technical. All right. But just to deliver on the joke, because the punchline is, how does a movie with 60s across the board get nominated for Best Picture? Well, there it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's a David Fincher film, and he did uh, Fight oh, Club yeah. and Gone Girl. Yeah. And Seven. Seven. So. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> so it's like, uh, maybe they nominated And Alien that. 3, don't, don't forget. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. So I just brought him down a peg in your book. <laughs> uh, it's part of my um, coronavirus uh, watching last summer with everything uh, in the tank. I did get in some popular movies that everyone has seen except for me. So I, I knocked a few of those oh. off the list. I saw Fight Club for the first time last year. Oh, my God. Is that oh movie my twisted God. as fuck? <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't talk about it. We can't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we can't talk about it. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. Rule number forgot one. the first rule. That's right. Tyler Durden's going to kick my ass now. That's right. All we right. can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. That's uh, what that's sad, fo- because it's a great movie, and we've all seen it now, but we just can't talk about it. We just can't, can't speak of it. Uh, the Father, they've uh, uh, tied for the highest critic score mm-hmm. at uh, 98, and that's not surprising at all looking at wow. the trailer. That That's, that's made for for critics uh, and, and 91 audience score. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is uh, slowly losing his mind and he's so stubborn that he won't accept assistance from his daughter on, uh, or any in-home help, uh, any issue. He's just fighting it. He's saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. 
Um, it's got to be frightening to imagine oneself in, in that scenario. There's probably uh, best actor uh, for, for Anthony Hopkins, I would think. We'll get to those uh, later, of course, as well. But uh, your, your thoughts on The Father? Uh, I like The Father because it gives you a perspective of dementia uh, that other films haven't. You, you're seeing things through his eyes. He has, there's two different actresses that play his one daughter. Um, and he's talking to one. And then the next scene, he's talking to the other actress, but he's thinking it's actually the same woman. And you see his, you see him slowly lose his mind as the surroundings, as his surroundings change. He goes from his flat to his daughter's flat to an old folks home. And he doesn't realize it's happening all chronologically. He thinks people are doing tricks. People are playing tricks on him and they're trying to, you know, fuck up his perception of reality. So that's, that's what was great about it. It's based on a play. Um, Anthony Hopkins was of course phenomenal. Olivia Coleman, she was phenomenal in it. Not much more to say about it besides that, but it's, uh, a great in-depth look at dementia. It sounds uplifting as hell, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it really did look like uh, something that just shook you. Just the, even the trailer just kind of makes you go, "Oh man!" Just the, imagining yeah. being in that state and and you know something that some of us have to look forward to. And then, of course, it reminds me of the old joke that uh, the one good thing about dementia is, hey, you, you meet a new friend every day. Hey! <laughs> uh, uh, for so for best picture, um, we were like I said, we were talking about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, Dave. The, so does do any of these pictures really scream like best picture, like Oscar worthy picture? Because because these all sort of like seem to like a like a random sort of jumble this year of. Uh, artsy movies and and you got the Korean movie and you got the dementia movie and you got the wandering woman movie and it's just kind of like what what are we what's going on what you know so I, I know this is the best of the of the best for 2020 uh, but is is anything really just just screaming and standing out to you saying this not this was an Academy Award winning film. Um. Maybe Minari and Sound of Metal. Minari okay. was, was really good. It was a family film. It's a, it's a dramedy, as some call it. Um, Sound of Metal was a heartbreaking film about a drummer who's losing his hearing. And he desperately is trying to stay in the game as a musician. Those two stand out to me. The Trial of Chicago 7, I saw it a couple months before it got announced and I didn't think of it as a best picture nomination at the time. Right. I still don't. I still don't think of it that it should be nominated. It just didn't stand out to me. Neither did Judas. Uh, the father seems like a money, uh, seems like an Oscar grab. Right. Mank yeah, that, that's, that's... on the list. <laughs> so is everyone else. Again, lowest rated <laughs> by a mile on Rotten Tomatoes. They saw right through it. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I did not do the father odds. Uh, Jason referred to them a little bit before on Vegas Insider. Longest odds, longest odds on the board. Uh, if you like a long shot, it's 100 to 1. So 
So go for it. Um, uh, now, Minari, uh, you brought up, that's uh, third choice right now uh, at 14 to 1 plus 1,400. Um, a Korean nuclear family moves to Arkansas, of all places, to be farmers. And uh, hilarity in zoos. I don't know if it's really hilarious or not, uh, but that's what the uh, trailer made me think of. You know, poignant uh, story of love and, and resiliency and uh, got a I think it's got a shot just uh, politically because of, of the immigration argument. And here's a story about obviously these people aren't from here and they're running into problems with others who uh, in Arkansas would say, um, you're not one of us. And, you know, it, it's, I, you know, they're not Latino, but it still makes you sort of think about that situation and how that that's a hot button topic and uh, trying to say how some people are true Americans and, you know, bootstraps and all the other bullshit. And some people aren't. Uh, so I think there's a chance that, that Minari could could squeeze in there and, and pull it off. Uh, tied for the highest critic score uh, on Rotten Tomatoes with 98, tied with the father, uh, an 88 score on uh, for audience. Uh, so uh, Minari, so you said that's sort of like an Oscar-type film. It actually made you think that, okay, maybe this is an Oscar-worthy film. So so what about Minari made you think that? Um, it's a family film. And it's so much about the structure of family and less to do with the external influences of community. They do encounter a couple of uh, external influences, but it's mainly the family unit units. You know, uh, the grandmother comes and lives with them. The, the two kids are already Americanized. They speak fluent English. Um, and it's the difference between where the two parents and the grandmother come from and little kids, what they find to be valuable for work and uh, homes sentiments. It's, it's, it's really a touching film about family. And I wrote in my notes, it's like field of dreams without, without the baseball players. (laughs) If you build build it, they will come. I don't know if I want to see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they, in, instead he's, you know, he's, he's taking care of, he's, he's trying to start a crop of vegetables that he wants to then take to market and make, make his living that way uh, because he desires to be a farmer. And his wife is completely all in arms about it. She's like, this is not going to work. We have to go back. And it was reminiscent of Field of Dreams where Kevin Costner is making the field and she's like, are you crazy? And then the yeah. players show up. <laughs> Just think about it. I could the, imagine the only a thing like Ray. that for farming and like the Jolly Green Giant shows up, <laughs> you know, or the Ke- the Keebler elves show up. You know, I don't know any famous farmers, but uh, I'll tell you why it won't win right now. Uh, well, and I'm you know, and I'm going completely. I, I'm thinking of the the socio political part of it, you know, with the Oscars. I think that they did their Korean thing with Parasite. Yeah, and uh, and they're gonna be, you know, I think that ought. You hate to say it that it automatically disqualifies another Korean movie, but this is Hollywood, right? They they're gonna be looking for the next, you know, what's you know, oh, we already did that. We showed that we can give it to a Korean film, so now we're woke. Let's move on to the next thing and and be woke. And so it, it won't be Minari because they love themselves so much, you know, they won't do it again. Right. 
Parasite swept last year. I couldn't yes. believe how many awards they got. Yeah, it just uh, couldn't keep pot. Yeah, so Minari's done. <laughs> yeah, Minari's, you're, you're right, Jason. It's the same reason I didn't pick Minari. Uh, oh. <laughs> I probably put it in the top three, but I, I definitely crossed it out because Parasite swept the Oscars last year. The director, Bong Joon-ho, spent so much time on stage that by the time he got his third Oscar, he just started passing the yeah. mic over. I'm not speaking. <laughs> yeah, no, because they, they just, they love their own, you know, they, 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 you know, it's just, you know how, you know how this, 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 this is the Hollywood patting itself on the back and they patted themselves on the back so hard for giving it to this foreign film. Yeah. It's just, they're not going to do it again. And, you know, and, you know, you hear about movies being due and they do all this stuff with the Oscars. I remember when return of the King won for best picture, right? Yeah. Which was by far, by far the most inferior of the three Lord of the Rings movies. And it won best picture, even though the other two were nominated and for much more, you know, which were much, much superior films to the one that won because they just did this, well, these, these two have both been so we'll just give it to the third one, right? Um, it's its turn. It's their turn. And it, yeah, and it just became this fait accompli, and they just gave it to that movie. It didn't matter what other movies were nominated because it was basically getting a trilogy achievement award. So they think about this stuff. These people who vote, they, they, they look at this part of it, and I guarantee you Minari won't win just because of Parasite. It stinks. Yeah. It sucks. But, you know, this is why they fought to not give Jordan the MVP every year, right? Yeah, they just got sick of it. Can't give it to him him again. (laughs) Right? So after they just ran, after they just ran, let this little, uh, you know, know, Korean subtitled, all those things, they let this run roughshod over the Oscars last year, you could almost take that film and knock it off the list. That's my theory anyways. Now I'm done. And it's, they're, they're it, done it's, with it. it's totally not fair, but right. I, I, I think that plays against it, which is sort okay. of racist. But I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, you, but you might be on to something. That's, uh, that's something to think about. Uh, so you brought up the other movie, uh, Dave, that made you think made this might be Oscar worthy Sound of Metal, uh, very highly rated, 97 by the uh, critics and 90 by the audience. Uh, but sitting uh, next to last in the best picture odds at 50 to one, uh, a rock drummer uh, losing his hearing and his identity and has to learn a different way to uh, exist. It looked like it was well done in the trailer. And it's a topic that uh, what I think I was impressed by was that's a topic that could be fumbled badly by somebody uh, by that movie in the wrong hands. Uh, and the, the topic of deafness not being treated the way uh, that it could be treated, uh, I could see that being screwed up uh, badly. But you'd think it's you'd think it's an Oscar-worthy film. Obviously, they didn't uh, screw it up. No, no, they didn't screw it up. Uh, they uh, they did a very good job with it. They the actor was Ahmed uh, or Ahmed. He learned sign language. Uh, he was interacting with people who were deaf and hard of hearing. Uh, one of his teachers has been teaching hard of hearing his whole life. Uh, so he was cast in the film. Uh, the casting was superb. Um, trying to think of what what it doesn't have going for it is uh, maybe that it's very it's a very dramatic piece. It's not. There's no comedy. There's there's not much uh, 
romance or action. Yeah, not too much yeah. levity in losing your hearing. It's kind of hard to get <laughs> some, some jokes in there. Yeah. So the uh, the guy that's nominated for supporting actor is uh, is uh, is he an actual actor or is he just a guy that's been teaching deaf his whole life and they just put him in the movie and he got nominated for a supporting actor? It's uh, Paul oh. Racy. Yeah, I, I he. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. There. I was just uh, no, not at all. You're telling me uh, that the teacher in the movie is a, a, a guy that's been teaching his whole life and they put him in the movie because of that. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that the same guy that got nominated for supporting actor, Paul Racy? Yes. Yes. Okay. That, that's, that's I want to say he was even cast in one of one of the cast members. It might've been him. Uh, was cast in children of a lesser God. I don't know if oh, you remember okay. that film. Yeah. Marley Matlin. Uh, yeah. Marley Matlin. No, it wasn't him. Oh. Anyway, I'm I just someone that in the been a long time ago. That would have been, been a, yeah. <laughs> would have been, been cool as hell to pull off because that movie is probably 35 years old. Yeah, it's got to be mid 80s. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would be something. Um, but yeah, it, it, like I said, it did look really well done and look really well handled. Um, and that's something that's I'm sure. Uh, the uh, the hearing impaired community would very much appreciate uh, that topic being handled sensitively. The trailer had uh, closed captioning under it automatically. I didn't turn it on yeah. on my TV. It just came up, and I was like, that's yeah. cool as hell. That um, is cool. And, and, and you actually need it because they show some of, you know, s- snippets of some of the scenes where he's, you know, it, it's, he's going deaf already, and, and people are saying things to him. He can't hear it, so you need the uh, the closed captioning to, to see what's being said because it, it's silent, uh, trying to give so you, you an idea of what he's going through. No, no, this is just a trailer. That, that, oh, they wow. do all that in the trailer, so trying yeah, to give you a, an example of what they do in the movie, and they're, you know, they're trying to you know really sell it and give you a, a good idea of what's going on there. So that that's why I said it looked so well made because the trailer uh, was well made as well. Uh, two things. Paul Racy, I just looked him up, uh, was raised by deaf parents, so he's fluent in American Sign Language. Okay. And then two, um, how they engulf the audience into, into this guy's life is they'll show a scene with the subtitles and with no, no sound in the room. Um, I mean, no, no sound in the scene. So it's completely very, very quiet, yeah. you know, maybe a hum and they're all signing. There's a scene where he's sitting at the table and he doesn't know, he doesn't know sign language yet. And he sees everybody conversing with their hands. And, and he's just sitting like there like, the uh, quiet. right. Mm-hmm. There's no subtitles because he doesn't know sign language yet. The more right. he learns sign language, the more subtitles we get. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, unless it's pertinent to the plot. And then they play the scene or they'll transition to now it's just the sound that you hear in the room, which is of nobody speaking, but of like dinner plates and silverware on the table or glasses being moved on the table. Those are the sounds you hear. You don't hear anybody talking. It was sure. really an immersive experience. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. We've got our own uh, slight 
uh, experience with uh, the hearing impaired at the uh, the school that Jay and I went to. So we yeah. saw we saw them communicating all the time, and of course we had no idea what was going on, but they did. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough way to go, but they definitely uh, have their own way of communicating and and their own way of getting along. And and um, man, to, to go through that and go through learning sign language and everything that they go through is is rough, but they, but they develop those, those other senses, right? Jay, we always hear about that. You lose one sense and you develop the other one stronger. And uh, we, we saw that with those kids. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing like watching a game of beeping softball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are with the, with the blind kids, which was a whole nother. Those are the blind kids too. But right. When you think about someone who's sensory deprived, right. Right. And, the, yeah, the beeping softball games were out there. If you ever watched one, it was it was something else. It was unbelievable. They're fucking hitting the softball that they can't see because they're yeah. the, because of the sounds of the beat. And they're, you, they're picking, and you picking got, it like, up and four kids running head first towards each other <laughs> for the beeping softball. Do they have like beeping helmets on or? Uh, they should have had proximity alerts or something on, yeah. on each other yeah. because it was pretty much four kids reaching down to the ground, running towards the sound of the beeping softball. But Dre and I were going to market the beeping softball video game because we figured that it had no graphic. You wouldn't have to have any graphics. Right. It's a blank screen. Yeah. And we yeah, wouldn't actually screen. have to program. In, no, we, but this is where it would become a scam is we weren't going to program the game to actually require you to control anything. It would just be the beeping sound of the softball, and then the game would just randomly shout out baseball terms. And it would just play like that, you know, some poor child would be sitting there playing with their controller, think they're affecting the game. Um, but the game was literally just a programmed sound of beeping and then another audio track of somebody shouting out baseball sound uh, terms. We were horrible oh. people. We were horrible people back then, I guess. Hey man, think of the money you would save by not having to do any graphics at all. That would be awesome. <laughs> no graphic design, no game programming, basically just a beeping audio track and somebody yelling out uh, baseball terms. Triple play! <laughs> yeah. Think of the excitement. Uh, yeah, we're bastards. We're, we're Hours of fun. Bastards. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was in our youth. This was before, before we knew better. Uh, do we know better yet? Still, that, that's, um, uh, well, that's the, you know, it, life is a journey. <laughs> it's up for debate. Okay, you brought up promising young woman, Dave. Here's the thing about this: this the the ending is drawing all sorts of attention. Like the I, I, I listened to a podcast about the, the Oscars uh, with uh, Ann Hornaday, the Washington D.C. movie critic. She said the uh, ending was uh, unbelievable and will. Uh, I forget how she described it. Will take your breath away. Uh, something else I was reading uh, about the Oscars online brought up the ending of Promising Young Woman is is incredible. Uh, and you already described uh, the movie as uh, satisfying. I don't know how to ask you to describe how satisfying Promising Young Woman is without spoiling the ending. So if there's a way that you can do it uh, and, and sort of weave the the, the words here. Uh, uh, promising young woman. Car- uh, Carrie Mulligan plays a woman who fakes basically being sloppy drunk so she can lure dude bros home into a false sense of security and 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 fuck them up in different ways. It's dark as fuck. It looks uh, really scary for any man, basically. 
um, 91 critic score, 88 uh, for audience. So it is, it's obviously high quality, but man, it looks frightening. Um, Promising Young Woman, uh, uh, tell us all about it without spoiling the ending. There was an obscure film that came out in the 70s called Look, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. And it was uh, Diane Keaton goes bar hopping, looking for a guy to take home and have sex with. And this, this was, I, I loved Promising a Woman so much that I looked up that film and I found it and I watched it. I'd never seen the film, but I knew about it because it was during the sexual revolution and shown how women can have lust just like men. Anyway, point being is I compared it to, in my notes, it's like looking for Mr. Goodbar meet Gone Girl meets Misery. Oh, God. <laughs> what, man? What the hell? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh Gone, Girl, Gone, <laughs> Gone Girl has a nice twist. This has a nice twist. I can't, I'm not saying anything else about the film's plot okay. besides the fact that she, she is an antagonist. And yeah, she's her, I, I could give this much away. Her best friend gets raped in, in college and she's on the warpath to find mm-hmm. out as much as she can about it and to hold those accountable who were involved. And yeah. And it, it was probably my Sounds favorite like a Charles film. Bronson movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out for blood. <laughs> anybody, did anybody get shot in the neck with a bow and arrow? Right. <laughs> and, and here's the funny thing. She doesn't go about it with a gun. Yeah. She goes about it with a metaphoric mirror. She shows these people right. what they did to her best friend. Well, so it's like Phantom of the Island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One 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 of their one of their exactly like Fantasy Island. Um, this is I bet you I bet we didn't expect to get a Fantasy Island reference on the show. <laughs> Man, yeah, we're going that movie's, uh, that movie's just like well, she's like Mr. Rourke, you know, that was his job was <laughs> to take these people, right, who were all messed up, you know, and, and, and like prove like prove a lesson to them. It was actually a fairly for, for a show that was kind of pushed as being kind of glitzy and glamorous, it was a very dark show. Yeah, oh I yeah, watch. I didn't even get you it. I didn't watch, watch it. Fa- you didn't watch. I didn't watch Phantom. The plan. The plan. No. I, See, that's yeah, the point. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what everybody remembers. It was right. a very, it was a very dark show. Oh, <laughs> uh, so perfect because you're adding that to Gone Girl and Misery, which are two of the darkest yeah. fucking movies I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, that well, fits perfectly them? fine. Well, I'm stunned you've seen them. This is what blew me away when Dave brought those up because. Gone Girl was also on the list of uh, yeah. quarantine movies that I saw last year, right? So I'd, oh, I hadn't wow. seen it before last year. And yeah, you talk about being uh, fucked up and having some twists and turns. And yes, I've seen Misery. <laughs> uh, and God, you, my, my ankles still hurt thinking about Misery. Holy fuck. Oh, so, oh come on. Yeah, that, you, yeah. They brought it up. And so, yeah, when you talk about mixing nose and, and fantasy and all that, so yeah, I, you don't have to go into any further detail about it because that tells me where this movie lives. And it looked dark on the trailer, so it fits right in. So, yeah, we, we won't spoil the ending. We won't give anything away as far as that goes. But, yeah, it's uh, that's one of the most the, – the only – the only movies uh, that whose ending has been talked about more that I can think of in recent years was that um, I just saw it on the, uh, when I was looking up movies earlier on, on, on demand um, Oscar nominated movies. Um, some, it was something by the Bay. 
and with with Casey, was it Casey Affleck, I believe. And everyone oh, was talking oh, about. Oh God, was that Manchester on the band? Yeah, yeah, Man, Man, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yep. And and every and I still haven't seen it. And I still don't know what the ending was, but everyone was talking about. It. Oh my God, that uh, the twist in that movie was just so dark and and twisted and messed up. And I had, everyone was talking about the, the twist in that one. And this one is about the uh, the only movie that's gotten that kind of buzz since then. So I'm, I'm probably going to catch it at some point. It might be ten years from now because that's how I do things. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's uh, what 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 could what the, could the twist be or what could what could it be that's so fulfilling uh, that that Dave describes. I can only uh, imagine a movie that dark and, and what it came up with. But yeah, it, it it's, looks interesting. Carrie Mulligan is is up for. Best actress, um, and Top we'll odds, see how by that... the way, as well. Uh, that she is the, the law, she is the shortest odds for uh, best actress right now. But that's the closest category of all of the uh, major very categories. Close, yeah. That's very actually close. got like four. It's actually like a four-way uh, race. There's yeah. an actual race. All these other ones are like uh, no doubters. Uh, but that one's actually close. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely get to the uh, actresses and actors uh, a little later on. Uh, as far as the rest of the movies go, uh, we are almost through. Uh, let's go to uh, your trial of the Chicago 7 that you were uh, talking about that you were looking forward to before it even came out because, you know, being a Chicago history buff, you would have to be looking forward to that. Uh, 89 critics score, 91 for the audience. Uh, Abby Hoffman and Bobby Seale and, and others uh, have the uh, the 1968 uh, Democratic Convention riots or whatever in Chicago, if you want to call them riots, <clears throat> have them uh, blamed on them uh, in court. And uh, the, even the trailer made that trial seem like a complete joke, which is you know pretty much what everyone uh, has always been saying all these years. Um, a reminder of the joke that is the justice system. So kind of perfect uh, in its timing. Um, and second, odds on the board, plus 600, uh, right there near the top. So trial of the, of the Chicago seven, uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, because of this movie alone, I went back and watched, uh, an old, like 1980 film called the conspiracy of the Chicago eight. Then I watched a documentary called the Chicago 10. Um, well, how many was it? There, it was it was, was it seven, seven, eight, and ten. Eight it's, or it's, ten. It's eight if you count Bobby Seale, and then it's ten if you count the two attorneys. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> because because the attorneys because the attorneys had gotten contempt charges. Got it. Which of course all these contempt charges were overturned in the end because the judge was deemed you know unfit, um, and senile. He, he sure seemed unfit on the trailer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is exactly as you see him in the movie is is exactly how he was. There were uh, there's a the documentary Chicago 10 that I watched took transcripts from the court case and put them in the documentary and they reenacted everything through animation. And yeah, he really did forget people's names. He forgot who he was talking to. And, you know, and Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin would occasionally yell out you know, if someone objected, they would yell out overruled, you know. Anyway, the point being is, uh, I was glad to see they filmed a lot of it in Chicago. I mean, I don't know where else they could have filmed it, where there were scenes in Grand Park and Lincoln Park. And then uh, 
Michael Keaton makes an appearance as a district attorney saying it was uh, the police who started the riots. That actually happened and his testimony was not allowed to be heard by the jury, which is crazy. Um, well, I love crazy in the 60s. <laughs> we, yeah. we said the same right. thing, Jason. Said, not in 1968. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I love the film, but for my own for my own reasons, do I think it deserves to be best picture? No, I think it might win best picture, but I don't think it should have been nominated. It just didn't seem like a a best picture film to me. All right. And. In my notes, I have People versus Larry Flint. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Jay. Put that on your list, People versus Larry Flint. I Man, I should. I, that, you talk about uh, <laughs> me for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Larry Flint. <laughs> him, him and Hugh Hefner, uh, man, did, did some things. <laughs> That's all I can say, did some things. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, in many different ways. Um, I, I indeed in, 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 intend to see that movie someday. Um, but yeah, when you got this many movies nominated, so that this also to me seemed like one of those. If it was the normal five like they used to do, this wouldn't have made the list. No, no, I don't but think so either. That's odd because that's six to one right now. I mean, that's the second highest, second best odds, I should say, uh, for best picture right now. That's true, I, but I don't understand the uh, the odds anyway because the odds-on favorite shocked me. Like I fell out the chair when I saw uh, who the odds-on favorite is and, and what the uh, long and what the what the odds are for it right now. Uh, so Nomadland, Dave, is uh, according to VegasInsider.com the favorite to win. It's uh, minus six seventy right now, which is a big favorite. Like. To think yeah, about laying prohibitive almost. Yeah, the, 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 I'm not laying six seventy to win a hundred on a movie I've barely heard of. I, I don't quite understand it, but it's obviously got some buzz because again, the uh, the movie critic in Washington, Ann Hornaday, said basically said the winner will be Nomadland, whether it deserves to or not. Uh, and I certainly trust her uh, insider judgment on that. So apparently, it's it's uh, it's, it's a lock. I thought uh, watching the trailer that Frances McDormand was going to be a lock for Best uh, Actress. That I certainly can imagine happening um, because the camera, like, stayed on her face the entire trailer, basically. She's uh, a wandering woman journeying everywhere and uh, anywhere and everywhere after losing her husband and her money. Uh, The camera is on her the whole time. Uh, She's lucky she has one of those faces that tells a million stories with every wrinkle like that because that's what – as who she is and why she's one of the great actresses. And I'm sure she's going to win best actress, but such a big favorite to actually be best picture. Uh, I don't quite understand a uh, 94 critic score, but only 82 uh, audience score. Uh, Nomad land. What's your, what was your thoughts on that? Um, if, if I was Francis McDormand and other nomads in America, people who do not have a home, who live out of their car by choice, um, they take on odd jobs. They eat out of they eat out of uh, Kansas. They eat Kansas soup or canned goods, um, and they live in their vehicles. And this film was this was filmed with 
actual nomads. That was the most impressive part about it. It's based on a book, a nonfiction book. Um, that was the most interesting of the films. I did not think, I still do not think it'll win Best Picture. That just sounds a little bit far-fetched for me. Um, but I could see why it would win Best Picture. It's not my pick, but... Um, but I could see why it's also nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Ann Horner, they said that during the show, uh, during the Tony Kornheiser show, he was asking her, um, I didn't see this on the Screen Actors Guild nominations, and why is that? And she said, for that reason you were talking about, Dave, because they basically didn't use any actors. It was like Francis McDormand and real nomads, and there's no yes. uh, other... You know, there's hardly any other real actors or actresses in the movie. And so, yeah, this might be one of those, Jason, that the reason it's so uh, such a short odds on it is because if they're using real nomads and there's no actors, this might be Hollywood's opportunity to slap itself on the back and say, this is such a heartwarming story. Uh, they're using these real people, these, these poor downtrodden people who are down on their luck and they got to... Uh, go around from place to place and get jobs and eat uh, cans of chili and everything like that. And we're going to reward them because what a, what a down home grassroots uh, down, down the earth, you know, type of thing to do is to use these, all these real people. This is a movie about real people. We're going to reward the real people, the hardworking salt of the earth, real Americans. I'm already getting nauseated. It reminds (laughs) me of all the, reminds me of all the press for boyhood. Because it took oh, 12 years God. to make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of the press for the movie. movie was about the movie. It was just about how long it took to make. And how long the movie is itself. I think it was like three hours or something. Like uh, yeah. So, no, I, you know, that, was, that, was, that, that strikes me as a bit odd. I didn't know the, the whole story behind that was. you got to figure they were able to make that movie cheap. But yeah. I mean, did, that, did that end up having almost like a documentary quality to it then? Or was it still a dramatic film? What's that? I said, did it end up having more of a documentary feel to it, or did it still oh, end yeah. up being a dramatic film? No, no, it, it definitely had a uh, documentary feel to it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if you take one actual Hollywood actor and place them in a, in a place, you know, put them in a situation with all real pe- people, that seems to be almost like uh, maybe this should have been a a documentary play. <laughs> Other than the fictional story, perhaps behind it, so the lady skirting the skirting the system a little bit there, but yeah, prohibitive favorite right now. So it's like a reality TV movie, basically. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where it's supposed to be scripted, but it's kind of real yeah. life, and they're involving all these real life people, but it's not really real life. It's sort of. You know, a, a look inside the world of, of real life, but not really real. So, yeah. It's, right. It'd be like they, if they made a movie where Fan Francis McDormand joined the circus and <laughs> it was just her and everybody else was actually just the circus people. I mean, you could basically just start making a whole string of movies with just her. Yeah. Francis McDormand joined the scenarios. World Wrestling Federation. I like it. Circus Land. Yeah. Circus Land, Wrestling Land. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that's what we should do. And it almost, sounds, almost sounds like. I hate to say this almost sounds like a like a a TV series, you know, like a right. Discovery Channel show. Real garbage collectors of Atlanta with Francis McDormand. I should pitch this. We'll just call it McDormand Land. I I would not I be surprised if this 
I wouldn't be surprised if Discovery goes after a couple of these nomads to follow them around for a TV oh, show. Of course, they're oh, going to try to yeah. make it scripted and create drama, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that's what they do. Living out of your car, it would probably call it Deadliest Snatch. <laughs> that's just... Yeah, because when I when you talked about reality TV and I thought of the Duggars and taking them out of the you know so yeah I yeah. that just I don't like that idea uh, anymore I you you soured me on it because now I'm thinking about well we we got something that people might want to see so let's take these real people and put them in these situations and how would they yeah. look here and or do like this they and... would like or they they had the shows or they would follow the Amish kids who would leave like the Amish land you know for oh, like yeah. a year and they'd all go be drunk and all that. yeah I mean it, it would just basically turn into Honey Boo Boo you know after a while oh, which yeah. is I think what all reality shows turn into after a while yeah Jersey Shore yeah Ugh. yeah they all just turn into spectacle yes. Which is because why I don't watch. Well, you're, you're trying to just you gotta get ratings. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like I was telling you, Jason, that this media class I was taking, uh, eye-opening and illuminating. It's uh, the, ah. it, it gets in, it gets into a lot of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's why some things are on the air and, and some aren't. But anyway, um, so Nomadland, yeah, I can, I can, I guess I can see why now, uh, without having seen the movie, I can see why it's such a, a big favorite because this is going to be Hollywood's uh, opportunity to say, hey, look at us rewarding the little guy and the, the, the hardworking, the real man of America and real men and women and all that. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to guess it's not to go after a demo that they're missing in the theaters, um, you know. No, no, it's just to, to yeah. let each other know that yeah. they, they recognize the realness. You know, they recognize they're just the phony Hollywood people, but they're recognizing the real humans of the oh, this country. Oh, that. yes, yes, so they, yeah. yes, they could definitely, that does feel like to pat themselves on. Because you got to feel that a lot of the odds that you get are playing to the the politics of it, you know, and because and, and, mm-hmm. sometimes what goes up for best picture gets nominated or any of that has, has absolutely nothing to do with the merits of the movies. Cause right. it's just Hollywood congratulating itself. Yeah. That's pretty much you what know, this feels this like. Is, I mean, Hey, the WWE has a hall of fame. Yeah, no look, stop impugning no the greatness of Pete Rose and, and William Shatner as pro wrestling <laughs> icons that did, should be in the Hall William, of Fame. How did William Shatner get into the pro wrestling hall? What? He had a couple of guest appearances at some point, yeah. Is, Ro- is Robocop? There's probably, it probably a stipulation in his contract. Okay. <laughs> it was stipulated in his contract, like, if I uh, do this for you, you got to yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Sure, Bill. He'll be famous I, forever. Whatever you say, yeah. Uh, so the last movie to talk about, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, a highest audience score of 95 and 96 on the critics as well, so very highly rated, which means nothing on the odds because it's 33 to 1. I, I don't know. I don't understand. Um, but, yeah, same, uh, odds, a man, same odds as Mank. Uh, yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, but a man looking at serious jail time unless he infiltrates the Black Panther Party to gather intel. Um, this one, uh, for the trailer, they did such a great job of focusing on Lakeith Stanfield's face while he's, uh, you know, pledging to the Black Panthers and got his fist in the air. But he's looking at uh, 
the the man that's about to get murdered, basically. Um, mm-hmm. and the man that, that, that was, he's looking for intel on. That was, that was Fred Hampton. That was Fred Hampton. Yeah. Hampton. Um, so again, a story that we know growing up in Chicago that now mm-hmm. gets that now gets the Hollywood treatment. That's right. Uh, I, I hope Lakeith Sanfield gets uh, serious consideration for, for a supporting actor because his face just told a fantastic story of conflict and guilt and anger and, and sadness, uh, everything mixed into one looking at Fred Hampton and, and what was about to go down there. Um, so just on that, I, I hope he get. but then again, Fred Hampton himself, Daniel uh, Kalua, is also nominated for supporting actor, uh, and I hope he gets it, and he's the favorite, uh, prohibitive, uh, minus yeah. 2,500. But uh, so how – we, we talked about this, I know, on previous shows before. How do they determine who's best actor and who's best supporting? Because how are they both supporting actor? And but they're both like sort of leads in. <laughs> yeah. How do you have a movie? Yeah. Who's the lead then? Who's the lead right. in that movie? If they're both supporting, who the hell's the lead? How does how does that work? I don't understand. Yeah, that I I have no idea. I have no. I mean, if I had to pick one, Daniel Kaluuya has more screen time. Um, so I don't know why. If if they're if they're both supporting, I don't know who the lead is for that film. I'll I tell you why. It's it's because we obviously and you can see it with the prohibitive favorite is that this, they're going to give the award to Chadwick Boseman for act because he's dead. I see. So Absolutely. this is the he's, way he is the to give Daniel Kaluuya an award as well because he's mm. alive. And, and 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 had Chadwick Boseman not died, I bet you they both probably would have been up for best actor. Uh, that, I don't know, but that might be. I, I can't. I don't have anything to argue. Uh, you've got to give it to the possibility. Gonna, they're gonna right. They're gonna give it to him. It's a posthumous award. They're gonna pat themselves on the back. Look at us. Um, they're gonna give it to him. Doesn't matter who else is on the list. You died. You're getting the award. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the movie itself, Dave, uh, uh, think it's got a, a good chance of, of winning the Oscar. Uh, for best picture? Yeah. No, I don't. No. Um, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it was sort of, uh, is it a good film? It it is a good film. Okay. You were struggling. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not much told from the policing side of that relationship of uh Stanfield's role. Okay, so you would have um, liked a little bit more of that part of it? Yes. But it sounds like Donnie it sounds like Donnie Brasco, except I was just gonna say, yeah, it 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 is like Donnie Brasco where you don't get a lot of the you know, you don't get a lot of the anta- uh, antagonists uh right fighting this establishment trying to justify what he's doing, you know, by screwing over and becoming an informant and screwing over his right. friend. Uh, you don't get a lot of that in this film. This is mainly a Black Panther film. It's, it's about Fred Hampton and it's about his rise to power and how he starts Rainbow Coalition. 
So it has a very little to do with the Judas of the Judas and Black Messiah. <laughs> ah, so we could have just called the movie Black Messiah. Black, Black Messiah. Messiah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I probably yeah, right. Because yeah. you know, yeah, because it's gonna if it ends with you know obviously, you know the guy infiltrating and you know the Judas aspect betraying, um, you know you that was if that's gonna go down anyways because it's part of the story, uh, you probably didn't need to make it sort of like the two prong thing if you especially if the movie played out where the the, the Judas part wasn't really played up as well. Yeah. And I heard Bill O'Neill, the guy uh, Stanfield plays, committed suicide years oh. after. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was due to this, but it's and it's also worth mentioning Fred Hampton makes an appearance in the Trial of Chicago Seven, and his untimely murder. I was about to say not the, the real one. As well. Not the real one. Just there's two Fred Hamptons in two films. Oh, so this was portrayed by two Fred, different actors. We did we ever think we'd have the year of the Fred Hampton movies? <laughs> but again, it's a very specific time in yeah. in one city, Chicago. Two movies about you know mid to late sixties police action in Chicago. Not surprising that the uh, Fred Hampton will make a, a cameo. Uh, oh yeah, just weird, weird how, how both of those movies came about at the, at the same time. I don't. I don't know what uh, was planned first as far as release and whatnot, but again, in the year of COVID, everything kind of got jumbled and mixed around. So I I would imagine. Could you imagine being one of the guys making these movies and you get like one of your production assistant comes in and goes, you won't believe this. Yeah. Somebody else, somebody else is making a Fred Hampton movie and you can just be like, slam your fist down on the table. Be like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I thought we had the Fred Hampton market cornered. How is that possible? At the same time as us? Come on. I, I thought we were screwed a few years ago with Black Panther, and that turned out to be totally different. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wrong Black Panther. <laughs> that, probably, that guy's probably really mad that that title was taken. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sad that that, uh, that movie wasn't quite as uh, uh, thorough as it could as it could have been, but again, sort of playing into what I've been reading in this media class, you you couldn't play up the police angle and how dirty uh, the uh, the FBI and everything. You, you you wouldn't get the movie made if you really played up what what happened and what they did. Uh, yeah, you, you can't. There's no, you just can't do it. There's no problem making dirty cop movies or dirty FBI movies, but you're definitely not going to get away with it playing it as a non you know with nonfiction aspect to it. Exactly. You can't tell the real story. You have to fictionalize everything. Right. But but the realness, you you, you couldn't tell the real story because that Cause was... The names have been changed to protect the innocent <laughs> and the it, guilty. You, need a you little, thought it was... Yeah. You thought it was riots last year. Um, yeah. yeah it's, they, they did what they could as far as that goes, I guess. Um, so with all of that... Uh, we we know who what your what your favorite movies were, but which movie do you think deserves to win the Oscar? And then which movie do you think is actually going to win the Oscar? Uh, <laughs> I think they're both one and the same this year. No. Oh. I think I think Promising Young Woman is gonna win. And Ooh. I I would have picked that as well. Okay. I gotta say, of the seven movies outside of No Man Land, which just seems sounds weird to me, uh, 
that actually sounds like that. That one seems different. You know, there's, there's some. It, it feels different from an Oslo. Sometimes they go different, and this feels like a different film. It sounds like it, anyways. Then yeah. the father and May, or you know, these Oscar bait kind of drama movies, and you have, I think you're going to have the the two Fred Hampton movies kind of cancel each other out. Probably. Um, so yeah, I mean, Dave's usually pretty spot on on these. So not that often Anything. though that we get an answer. I don't know if we've ever gotten an answer of a what should win will win. You know, usually those are two different films, and this year he's doubling down. Yeah, yeah. that's why I asked it because usually it is two different answers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think it will win because of the Me Too movement at the height of the Me Too movement. Imagine this film is being written, and it didn't get mm-hmm. the screen until this year. It's too late. It's too late for the media, right? I mean, no. I, 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 I understand your point. <laughs> but I imagine at the height of the movement, she started writing this, and it didn't get to film until now. Oh, sure. And yeah, so I, I, we don't know how long any of these films could have sat in the can. This movie could have come out. You know, sure. I'm right. guessing this movie could have come out in what would have been normally your prime Oscar Thanksgiving to Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And played in nine theaters. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we have that a few years ago with the Netflix scandal where, like, the movie actually only played in, like, 12 theaters and it was nominated for Best Picture? Was that yeah. the, well, the, was, the, was that well, the Irishman? The, oh, yeah. No, Roma. Roman Roma. and Irishman. Roman and yeah. Irishman, yeah. They they released them like kind of sketchy, you know, and it, it just hey, it qualifies. It yeah, let it all qualify. Now with all the movies going straight to HBO Max and Netflix, and just they're if they're films, they should qualify. Why does the Oscar yeah, have to qualify. be a theater awards? They're all watching shit at home now. Right. It played for four days in Omaha, Nebraska. It qualifies now. So yeah, we're <laughs> I think we're past that. David and his mom were sitting in that theater right, <laughs> watching that the only movie. Only two people there. It counts. It counts. <laughs> and I sold two tickets. It counts. I think if it if if this was if the ceremony was in a was was in a theater with a live audience, I think if Promising Young Woman won Best Picture, I suspect that there would be a standing ovation. And oh, I think, no doubt. And I suspect it last that forty-five minutes. <laughs> and I suspect that Carrie Mulligan would have gotten a standing ovation if or when she went for that for best actress in a leading role. Yeah, I hadn't even because that's about who that, I have down that angle. Yeah, I, I think you might be onto something, Dave. I know the odds are, are long according to Vegas Insider, but uh, they might be onto something. The, the, the Me Too movement may be. Not- not terrible. So, no, Trey, no. you throwing? Are you throwing? Are you throwing some money on this? Oh, I don't know if I got the guts to do that. Um, but, but I, some, I do like the promise angle. notes on promising young woman. <laughs> I, I like your angle. Hey, hey, buddy. Oh, you going with uh, Murph? Hey, what's <laughs> <laughs> your beef? Um, no, I, I, I like that angle. There's there's obviously a political aspect uh, for for everything that gets picked. You had the the moonlight winning for uh, highlighting uh, young gay black men, and then you had uh, last year with uh, the Korean movie. So yeah, there, there's always something. 
Um, so I, I, we got the nomad land angle with the, the, the regular people and, and honoring the real Americans. Uh, we got the promising young woman with the me too movement. Um, and if they really want to go out in left field and, and do, uh, you know, trial of the Chicago seven and, and, uh, thinking about all the, the police brutality from last year and highlighting that, or even Judas and black Messiah, um, yeah, there, there's reasons. There's I can see the reasoning behind the, a lot of these, and I can understand uh, if they do uh, break through. And, and uh, if they do win, we got the reasons covered. We certainly got the uh, all the political aspects. So, so I, I get that part. Um, so you were talking about uh, actor and actors. You have you you look through the list. You have picks for for all of these. You think uh, Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I have that's the, her uh, for promising woman. That that field is the is a dogfight according to VegasInsider.com. She's oh, uh, yeah. only plus she's only plus one twenty five, and then Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is uh, plus two hundred, so she's right there. And then Frances McDormand for Nomadland, which I think is going to win because I think that was that performance was made for an Oscar, is plus four hundred, and then. Uh, Billy Holiday, uh, Andrew Day playing uh, Billy Holiday was plus six hundred. So, like, that's about as close as you're ever going to see it for for something like that. Um, so they're all right there. And uh, obviously, you didn't see all of these movies. I, I assume. Well, I'm sitting here assuming. I shouldn't assume you are Dave the movie. Expert. No, you're, Maybe you you're, have. you're correct. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't I seen uh, the Billy Holiday film or Pieces of a Woman. Okay, but uh, but you saw Ma, you saw Ma Rainey's Black Bottom because we kind of talked about it, right? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. And if it if it wasn't for Carrie Mulligan and the Me Too movement, I would put Viola there in a heartbeat um, really? okay. because she she totally absorbs Ma Rainey. Uh, you can't see Viola at all. <laughs> wow. Okay. You, you That's good. You you only see her performance. You can't even make her out because the makeup is so thick, you know, and what she's wearing, they made her look heavier. Um, yeah. So it was phenomenal. She, I mean, I, I loved it, and I loved seeing her in that, which is also based on a play by uh, August Wilson, uh, produced by Denzel Washington, um, mm-hmm. also based now, in Chicago. Was that a Best Picture snub? Uh, that's what I've been reading. I, I actually read in December what we were were expected to be nominated, and that was on the list. Well, they probably didn't know about all these February movies that were going to be coming yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, come on. Who would know that the 2020 uh, Oscar field would be would have so many great movies that came out in March of 2021? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, the interesting field as far as the uh, actor and actresses. The best actor is... Uh, for Vegas Insider, prohibitively, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, from Ma Rainey. So what, what, what about his performance? You talked about Viola Davis lost uh, completely in the character. Uh, how good was Chadwick Boseman? He was excellent. I, If he were alive, I wouldn't be picking him to win an Oscar. I, I believe I had that one. <laughs> I believe Jason just said something like that, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to sound jaded and cynical. No, I'm not, well, and I'm not... I'm not trying to sound that way. I, I understand the, it might come off that way, but but they are uh, playing this up totally as the get the 
that you know get his family and they, you know I'm just I'm telling you they love they love themselves so much they can't resist this. And Anthony yeah. Hopkins has a Anthony Hopkins has a whole closet full of awards. So I understand that. So I, I understand, yeah. and I'm and I'm still going the other way. I'm going Anthony Hopkins. I don't think they can even make themselves give Chadwick Boseman the Oscar even though he died because the Anthony Hopkins performance is for an Oscar. Like we've seen so many of these performances that were like, this is what I'm doing to earn an Oscar. Everybody <laughs> look at this performance. Flash, they should just flash it on the screen during the this movie. This is for an Oscar. Oscar, Oscar performance, Oscar winner yeah. for your consideration, for your consideration. Uh, what is it? it reminded me of uh, the guy that played in uh, uh, that played Freddie Mercury. That whole and I did watch that movie too. Uh, that yeah. entire performance was please give me an Oscar, please <laughs> give me so, the Academy Award. My, my first experience with that, when I actually expected them to be flashing for your consideration up on the screen during any part of a movie, was at the end of Schindler's List when Liam Neeson is giving his speech. Oh. About oh, like a oh. great movie that was, and I had sat through that freaking four hours of that movie, <laughs> and I was totally engrossed by it, and that took me out of the movie <laughs> because it was so hammy and so over the top, and I'm like, oh, he's going for his Oscar right here. But could anything be too hammy and over the top after three and a half hours of Schindler's List? I mean, come on, <sighs> that wasn't a hammy over the top movie. <laughs> I know, that, but I'm but saying that, that's this. what I mean. So I could imagine this movie, like every time Anthony Hopkins is being Anthony Hopkins, you could just imagine the for your consideration flashing up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a, I get it, he's, a li- he's literally a, he's a living legend, but he's alive, so he won't get the award. <laughs> but the movie was a three and a half, four hour uh, for your consideration Steven Spielberg uh, performance, basically. <sighs> yeah, it was a great movie, though. I mean, it, it was really. It was a great movie, but yeah, that movie was made with the intent I would expect. Like I am, ma- I am making the best picture, and I know it. Right, and that's what Anthony Hopkins was doing in The Father, and I'm saying he's going to get it anyway. <laughs> I am the great yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in that movie. Like I'm the greatest living actor. I'm owning this. Yes, fuck all you bitches. Uh, for <laughs> best supporting actor, um, I believe you talked about this already, Dave. You said Daniel Kaluuya will, will get it for uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah? Well, or did Jason say I that? Think Daniel, I, I think Daniel that. will get it. Okay. And he is but easily I'm, the favorite. Yeah. I'm picking Sasha Baron Cohen, Ooh. but I think Daniel will get it. Okay. So and for, uh, got a, in a leading role. What? I would say you're going with, uh, you know, that's one where you've got the should win, will win separated. Right, Exactly. So you you think Sasha Baron Cohen will win or that he should win? I think I think he should win. Okay, but he won't. No, he won't. Okay, correct. <laughs> and he's nominated twice. He's nominated for uh, best adapted screenplay. So I ah, suspect. So he... he gets thrown a bone. Right. Okay. And uh, by the way, uh, best actor I have Riz Ahmed. Instead of oh, Chad. Oh, okay. Wow, that would be. Woo. That pays some money. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I didn't even uh, uh, ask because I assumed you were uh, 
on Chadwick Boseman as well. But okay, so Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal plus fourteen hundred, uh, and Anthony now, Hopkins do, plus seven hundred. Do you have him winning, or do you have him should winning? Uh, winning, I think Chadwick will win. Okay. Okay. Um, which is unfortunate that you know, it's unfortunate that the Academy takes into consideration. Well, if you die, you get the Oscar. Well, if you die in your final role, yeah, yeah, you get the Oscar. That just seems seems like you're <laughs> sticking it to other actors. Uh, yes. Too bad he wasn't signing a, a pro sequel that would have sold it up completely. This is the what's that? So too bad he wasn't filming a Crow sequel. He would have sold it up completely. <laughs> I don't remember Brandon Lee winning any awards for that movie, though. He didn't win the Oscar for that? I don't think for, so. For the, for the Crow? Uh, no. No? No, oh, well. No. That was back in the days when they only had five films, you know. Obviously, that made the, that would have made the cut, you know, if they had eight films. Mm-hmm. It, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, so best uh, you said uh, Sasha Baron Cohen actually. Um, that's that's interesting. Uh, the, I didn't see m- uh, much of of his uh, Abby Hoffman in the trailer. I saw some of it. It wasn't like he was shut out or anything, but it, he wasn't as much the focus. So I, I don't really know uh, how much in the in the movie he was. Uh, so was was it a sort of a smaller role that he just kind of outsized everybody on the screen? Yeah, and, you know, Abby Hoffman is looked at as the leader of the Chicago 7, um, even though he wasn't. Everybody, most people remember or know his name affiliated with them. Not many people can remember the other six people involved. Um, Or eight or ten, is what we're saying. Right. But he does take kind of a front seat, uh, Sasha does as Abby Hoffman, because of those reasons. And if I could put him in another category, it would be best actor in a supporting supporting role. Right. <laughs> it's supporting and supporting. <laughs> there really is no lead. Oh in man, film. that's about the point when you get that trophy that just says participant. I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Others who ran. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah. We got to get- at the Kentucky Derby coming up in a, a next weekend. Uh, others who ran, also ran. Um, I, I haven't seen uh, One Night in Miami either, but I hear uh, Le- Leslie Odom Jr., who's nominated, uh, played Sam Cooke. I heard he, his performance was very good. So I definitely want to see that as well. Um, and and then he's nominated best... twice, by the way, this year. He's nominated Let's... for the song Speak Now. Yeah, okay. Um, and then Best Supporting Actress is uh, an interesting list as far as the odds go. This uh, The Korean lady, Yeon Yu Jung, the, the foul-mouthed grandma in Minari, um, is actually the favorite at, at minus 500. Oh, wow. Well, I have Glenn Close. I think she should win. I think she will win. And that role appears to be like, please give me a, a trophy. Uh, that seems to be yeah. something that, that was made for that as well for for hillbilly elegy. Um, but only uh, plus the... a thousand, according to uh, according to the uh, listing. So that 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 might make me run and put some money on uh, on Glenn Close because that's that's pretty long odds. 
Yeah, and Glenn doesn't have a, an Oscar. She's been nominated two, four, six, eight times. Wow. She has not won. And so it's, so saw, it's a lifetime achievement award time. It is for her. It's it's time for her now to win. And that aside, her performance compared to the other women was the best. Okay. I've seen all those films, the actress in supporting role. So I saw Hillbilly Elegy and I saw Borat and I think her performance was the best. Okay. She, so you did uh, see the, the Borat one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Kind of cringy <laughs> as Borat films are, you know, they yeah, make you cringe I mean, a little and they're full of stocks, you know, chock full of humor, but with episodes of cringiness, this <laughs> general uncomfortableness. So, yeah, I, I saw the girl that's nominated or the woman that's nominated who played a 15 year old girl. And I'm like, um, because that's actually the second favorite. Uh, Maria Bakalova is actually uh, plus 375. Uh, what, was, was she that oh, wow. good? Uh, she was. I, I'll tell you. Okay. If, if it was run like a Borat film as Bran, I'm sure, I'm sure Sasha had a long interview with her and said, look, you're going to have to do some shit on the fly. <laughs> We're going to have to improvise scenes and situations that might put you in danger. <laughs> And for so those Rudy, reasons, she deserves an Oscar. I mean, for those reasons. But so Rudy Giuliani puts his hand down his pants in front of you. Oh, go with my it. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what, Dre? I thought for sure that was staged. I, I was so thought, I so was convinced it was staged. In the original Borat, I don't know if you guys have seen it, he takes Pamela Anderson, puts her in a bag, and runs out with her over his shoulder. Now... That was staged. Pamela knew that was going to happen. And so when the Rudy Giuliani thing happened, I was praying to God that that was staged. <laughs> nope. But I found out it wasn't, nope. <laughs> which made it nope. even worse. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God, this man. Is this, is this what the world we live in today? <laughs> yes. That's the world America. we live in. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. It, Oh, it was it was torture watching that scene. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Probably even more torturous being in it. If we think it's torturous, let's talk to Maria Bakalova and ask her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> imagine being the people, imagine imagine being the people filming that. Just like, oh, what oh. am I? Yeah. Oh what are we watching? Yeah, every cameraman went home that night and said, "Honey, you're not gonna fucking believe this." And I love you. And then, they took, and then they took a shower. That's right. Then they took a shower. And, and thank you for being my wife, so I don't have to be out of this world <laughs> with all these other crazy people. Uh, uh, so what else do we? Uh, oh, uh, director. We usually talk about uh, uh, best director. This is uh, this almost goes uh, along with the Me Too a little bit. They're making uh, a big deal about history that uh, for the first time, two of the five nominees for director happen to have vaginas. So good for yeah. vaginas. Congratulations to them. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is all. This is what it takes. This is all it is now. It, it's the look at us. We're woke. I did it. We nominated two chicks. Uh, and one of them is a, a big favorite, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, uh, minus 
33-35? Holy shit. Holy uh, crap. I have her down <laughs> as my favorite, too. Seriously. Oh, well, there you go. If you could get one paid actor and a bunch of real people and make a, and make a tangible movie, you deserve to win. That's some damn good yeah. directing. Nope. You know what? I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll roll with that. that, that I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know if Trey even gets that one. Uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. I do not get that one, actually. Oh, that, that, that's a RoboCop reference. Yeah. Ah. And you should know all about that. Being, you know, no, I just... The only RoboCop I know been through some bars that did not appear to be metal in order to escape <laughs> from the four horsemen. That's the only RoboCop I know. Uh, Is that a wrestling, the, with, wrestling reference? Oh, yes, yeah. With, with the help of Sting in, in hospital shoes. That was the return of RoboCop. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that was a wrestling promo. That's why we joked earlier about RoboCop being in the uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> you know, if, Shad, if 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 the Shad is in, I, I don't know how RoboCop isn't in. And Pete Rose, don't forget Pete Rose. And, and Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. But he that was a shtick with Pete Rose though, where he would show up every year and get beat up. Yeah, so he get tombstone by Kane. That's all he did. <laughs> That's all he ever did for WWE. You, you know, Dre, you should watch RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop, RoboCop is, is like the quintessential, or one of the quintessential 80s action movies. But it's, it's, it's actually, it, it's one of those, it's a much smarter movie than you would imagine it being. It, it's actually a little bit on the, you know, a lot of, so, a lot of social satire and a little subversive. Uh, very good movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree I've with heard it. Jay. I've heard it's a very good movie, uh, but you named the '80s action movie, and I promise you, I haven't seen it. It's just oh. not my. It's just not my that, genre. That wasn't that wasn't your wheelhouse. 80, '80s it's, action, no. you know, Terminator. No. Nope. None of the Schwarzenegger stuff. Nope. Wow. Rando, no Commando. No. Nope. Predator. Nope. Don't get to the got time to bleed. Hey, you know that. Hey, come on, that's got Jesse. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I want to say I may have sat down and watched maybe like three quarters of Predator, because of probably another, because of Dirty the Body Ventura. Yeah, another another great '80s action movie, you know, John McTiernan, Die Hard, right? Yeah, you be motherfucker. Have you seen Die Hard? No. Wow. <laughs> that took, name the quintessential '80s action movie. I have not seen it. That's a bunch of I I've knocked a ton of them off the list that you haven't seen any of them. <laughs> I've heard they're good. I'll get around to seeing them one they're day. Not all, they're not all great, like Commando. Not that great. But if you want to watch a movie with a, a ridiculous plot and a high body count yeah. and some quality kills, that's, that's what you watch. You watch. You know, That's what a lot of those movies became about. A lot of that Schwarzenegger, Stallone stuff became all about like the quality kills. You know You know what I wound up doing in the last few years is, is I got around to uh, kills – um, through like the the military moves, I started catching up on uh, like I saw uh, was it Platoon? Um, no, uh, Full oh, Metal wow. Jacket. Oh my! I, yeah, I, I no. finally saw Full Metal yeah. Jacket. Now, that's, that's a body a great count. Film. That's a great movie. Oh wow! Did you watch and, Saving uh, Private Ryan? I don't think so, but but you know keep keep going with the with the military movies, and I've seen like three or four of them in the last year that everyone else has okay. seen. Okay, like um, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, that's in the, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, All right. Well, what is your major up. malfunction, numb nuts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> catch it up. Yeah. So I, I'm getting around to the kills. I guess I'm going in a, in a, in a back door away. I'm, I'm going through the military ones. I'll, I'll get to the to the trashy Stallone stuff at some point, maybe when I'm Yeah, no, if you're, yeah, if you're at Full Metal Jacket, that's a little too highbrow. I mean, that's Kubrick, oh. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, that that reminds me. Uh, you you bring up Kubrick. That reminds me of uh, Dave Steven Soderbergh uh, is yes. producing the actual Oscar ceremony tomorrow, which might actually make me watch the Oscars. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, tell the people who don't know, including me, because I'm such a movie novice. Uh, but basically, besides Sex Lives and Videotape, uh, what what is Steven Soderbergh, like known for what? What could we possibly expect from him producing the Oscar telecast tomorrow? Uh, he did uh, Aaron Brockovich okay. and Traffic. Ooh. Yeah, he did uh, Behind the Candelabra. Well, okay, the Liberace movie. If they yeah, really, the if, if they really wanted to make this like crazy, they would have gotten like David Lynch. No, oh, yeah. no, nobody's ready for a David Lynch produced Oscar. <laughs> so is the I, so the Oscars is this going to be live and in person, or is this like a Zoom Oscars? Yeah, from what I from, from what I'm hearing is yeah, from what I'm hearing is going to be like sort of live like it's not going to be oh. you know an auditorium full of people but i think i'm waiting for them to cut the, away to the undertaker and bray wyatt having a a, a virtual <laughs> match with each other having a, a, a hollywood cinema match uh yeah. <laughs> for 45 minutes uh with yeah. different cuts and whatnot i i don't you and know then it's, it's, the, and then they read the envelope and it'd be the wrong envelope uh no it, it's thought about so who <laughs> If La La, Land, if La La Land wins any awards tomorrow, then we'll know uh, <laughs> something's up. Then we get Kanye West to wow. run up to the stage. I, I, y'all made the wrong choice. This is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I, I don't know. We, we have no idea what's going to happen. But, yeah, from what I was hearing, it's going to be – I think the nominees are, are going to be there, like in person. Okay. Uh, they might be distance or something like that. But the rest of the the other telecast is going to be Soderbergh doing whatever he does and then going to different places and, and whatnot. So it's going to be sort of a mix of, of film stuff and, and, and actual people there. Like, not a whole lot of people, though. I just want everybody who wins to run up on stage and fist bump and uh, hug Roger Goodell. That's it. You're, you're pushing the envelope. That's coming. The draft is coming oh, next week. Oh, I'm getting all my spectacle. Yeah, uh, got to get know. the Oscars out of the way tomorrow. Oh, okay. and then gosh, and then Thursday gosh. night, the the draft is coming, the NFL draft next <sighs> week, folks. If you're listening and wondering what our next show is going to be, we just spoiled it for you. The NFL draft aftermath sometime next week after the uh, the first round is is over with. Uh, yeah, and they're actually gonna, and Goodell's actually going to be there. He's going to actually be. And, and they and they have allowed and they have said they will allow the hugging. He's been vaccinated. He's been terminated. He's been wrapped up and, and smacked up, flipped and rubbed down. And Roger Goodell will be ready to hug, uh, hug and kiss all over all of the draftees. And, and boy, have we all missed that. So, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're getting back to, to normalcy very slowly, I suppose. That's, that's how you know we're back to normal. That, that's it. That's it. free that's and it. open society. They can all hug Roger Goodell. Goodell can, can French kiss the draftees again. That, that's great. We're, we're getting back to it. 
Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else uh, do we usually talk about, Dave? Do we uh, get into anything like the the screenplays, uh, uh, music, uh, the, the song categories, um, documentaries? Uh, you, you sometimes Jason gets into the animated films just because he's got kids of that age. Um, uh, you know, the only the only animated film uh, that's nominated. Let me see. Let me get down here to the. Uh, animated film odds. Uh, the only movie I actually saw out of the five was Onward, which my kids really liked. Um, I did not Soul looks like it's the um, prohibitive... One to my, 50. My kids saw that one. Um, I'm pretty sure they watched it. I, I don't know, but I, I don't remember. I don't actually remember it being received well enough to be a minus 5,000 favorite, but none of the rest of these other movies really uh, trip a trigger for me. That's just because your kids don't have soul. They're, they're not woke yet. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have enough soul. Uh, and uh, best original score, is that uh, the, the song? That's a different category. Um, oh, there's a, a original song. Uh, so, yeah, One Night in Miami, uh, The Life Ahead, Eurovision, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Trial of Chicago 7. What, uh, which song were you talking about uh, that you heard or was nominated? Uh, um, Leslie Oldman is nominated for actor in a supporting role, and he's a yeah. co-writer and singer of Speak Now, the original okay. song. Okay, that is which, the favorite. Which is the favorite, yeah. Yeah, and it's a good song. I would pick it. Uh, maybe some parlays that uh, we can throw down if uh, if some of these options. Oh man, if Oscars you... parlays. Someone's doing them. I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, you know I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Speaking, you know, and Dave talked at length about the sound design um, with Sound of Metal, and that is up for best sound. But it's silence. How is that? Be- oh, okay, never mind. It, it, I'm it, thinking too much. It, so- it sounds like it's more immersive, though, the way it was described. Yeah. Like, there is sound, but the absence or the presence is sort of determined by the perspective, it sounds like. Yes, exactly. It's so, yeah, I was kind of picking up on that when you're talking about it, and then it get down to the very bottom of the list, and it says best sound odds, and, yeah, it's clearly sound of metal at 1 to 25. <laughs> um guessing that's going to win. Probably. Uh, and that's probably the perfect year for that to, to be, uh, to, for that movie to come out with that kind of sound, with those big pockets of silence, because you didn't have to sit in a theater this uh, last year watching right. that movie with all these big pockets of silence being surrounded by all these mouth breathers, which would have just made you nervous about the coronavirus all over again. It would have ruined any experience that you had. Because okay. I, I know if I... If I was sitting there in silence, surrounded by 100 people breathing on me, I would not have enjoyed that at all. That just would have totally thrown me out of the out of the moment. But that's just me. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. Uh, Dave, we've kept you long enough. Uh, we once again thank you, as always. Um, I did want to bring up uh, that you uh, recently lost your father. I wanted to uh, give our condolences for that. I'm uh, yes, extra... You. I'm extra thankful the, uh, for you to doing uh, doing the show this year because I was wondering if you were going to be uh, up for it after everything that's been going on, uh, but you came yeah. through. You you uh, did uh, watch all the show, uh, watch all the movies rather, and you did come on and do the show for us. Um, have I uh, 
I don't remember if I've told the story about that weekend uh, at your house uh, between uh, me and your dad. And I don't know if you even want me to tell that story publicly you can tell. or not. But, no, uh, you can. Because <laughs> uh, your dad was a, a character and a half. And uh, the, by my somewhat limited interaction with him, there was a, a weekend uh, in the early stages of the internet and the early stages of sports gambling uh, where I, me and, and uh, our former best friend Rory had basically just gotten our, our uh, betting accounts going on, on whatever uh, overseas Caribbean website. And we were having a little success uh, betting baseball and your father uh, heard about that success. And there happened to be a, a weekend where uh, I was uh, staying over. I don't, I don't think Rory was staying as well. I think Rory like dropped me off and I'd stayed over uh, and slept over a couple of nights uh, there at your house and your father uh, was visiting as well. So it came to be a Saturday afternoon where uh, you and your mom and, and your siblings had left and were doing uh, whatever y'all were doing and Rory wasn't around either. So it was basically me and your father were the only people in the house. So your <laughs> father comes to me and says, Hey, uh, here you've been doing pretty good on on this betting. Uh, you you want to give me a, a couple winners, a couple pointers, or something? Uh, you know, I, I I can I can take care of you if you want. Uh, I got uh, I got a way to to hook you up if you give me some winners. And I'm like, uh, that's fine, but uh, what you know what are you talking about? And he says, uh, let me let me get my phone. Let me let me call. Uh, I got a number here. Uh, I, I got a young lady, and uh, I think. Uh, I mean, I think I, I think I can have something arranged if you if you give me a couple winners here and I'm like uh, oh <laughs> I don't know if this is such a good idea uh, but he was really uh, interested in in getting this taken care of so he whips out the phone and I, and there's also a sort of an element of is he really doing this like I yeah, you know this was kind of wondering had, sounds like a sting operation <laughs> <laughs> officer and comes around the corner. <laughs> I didn't ask for any of this, officer. I was just sitting here. Um, so, so yeah, there was a little bit of, I wonder if he's really going to, and, and sure enough, he pulls out his phone and he starts calling and I can hear the phone ringing. And so he's calling somebody. And so I hear, uh, you know, his half of this conversation and yes, may I speak to so-and-so? And he said, whoever the, the young lady's name was. And yes, uh, I'd like to speak to, oh, is, oh, uh, I see. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, uh, uh, I'll. Okay. I understand. Uh, thank you. And he hangs up and he says, uh, basically, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry about that. I'm not going to be able to uh, uh, to have you meet this young lady. Uh, as it turns out, uh, she's in prison. So <laughs> I'll. I'll. But but I, I'll take. I have to get a rain check on it. But but look, there's there'll, there'll be a time down the road. And maybe we can take care of something else. And but but I but I'm a man of my word, and I will take care of you at some point. And, and I was just like, okay, um, yeah. And uh, th- that that never uh, uh, panned out. Thank probably a good thing that that never panned out down the road. But just a a small example of of the character and the uh, and the crazy possible times that could have been had uh, with your father. And oh, that that was just. I, I couldn't. I still couldn't believe that happened. I was just kind of sitting there after that happened, like, "What did I just witness?" But yeah, <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if you get a letter in the mail here that he left you the phone number. 
you made good on my promises, kid. <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> That's well, all my I father was uh, he was a substance abuse counselor at Cook County Jail uh, for females. <laughs> So oh, he, ah. so he, he had it was accessible for him to have access mm. to less than desirable females. Oh, <laughs> I, wow! But yet, yet another layer to the story. I, I didn't know. Yes, that. yet was, another yeah. layer. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll let you go again. Thank you very much uh, for your time, oh, yeah. Dave, and uh, uh, another you. great another great Oscars preview, and uh, we'll yeah, catch you down the road doubtful. next year. Doubtful we'd be doing this show if we didn't have a movie expert. Well, clearly, because neither of us saw any of the movies, so certainly. That's true. <laughs> because we have a movie expert is why we're doing the Oscar show. And, uh, again, uh, by the numbers, it's not like we're doing, you know, millions of listens, but this is definitely one of the more popular shows we do every single year. And, and it's because oh. Dave is, is the expert. He's the man. And, and people know when they listen to the show, they're going to listen to somebody who actually knows his shit about movies, unlike me. So, uh, as always, uh, thank you very much for that, Dave, and and best best of luck and everything, and take care. Thank you, you too. Thanks, Dave. Yep. All right, Dave, the movie expert, once again with another great Oscar show. Yeah, I I will never forget that that story uh, that I just I've, told. I've never heard that story. I didn't know if I had told it before. I didn't know what occasion I would have had to bring it up on the show, and I was right. I, I had not told that um, because yeah. how do you tell that story? Like, where do you even fit that in? So, Definitely a story that you wait to tell till the party has passed. Yes, afterwards, right. Yes. <laughs> you weren't although, there. You can't prove a thing. Although now knowing that he was a, an, an officer in the in the court system yeah. there in the – in the women's it fills jail. in the gaps he, in your story. It makes sense he, now. He probably has uh, stories like that with many other people. Like, uh, hey, can you loan me $20? I got a favor I can give you back. You know, something like that. Yeah. It, I, I, I thought I was unique. I probably wasn't. But uh, it, that was a unique experience for me. That's all I know. Uh, so, yeah, that's our, our Oscars preview. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we can – just proof again that we can go for almost two hours on uh, talking about movies that we haven't seen. And before that, uh, two hours on uh, wrestling in which you hadn't seen any of it at all. You didn't even watch no, the Raw. No, so we, uh, I was sort of unceremoniously uh, ejected from the last show. Correct. <laughs> so we didn't get a chance to hear your take unless you went on to give it um, about I, I did not. But I, I haven't heard it, so now is your chance. What was your take on, on WrestleMania? Got to tie up the loose ends of that show. I heard good things. Yeah, um, I didn't give my uh, uh, opinions after you dropped off because I was like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about WrestleMania by myself. Um, that's just yeah. But I, I guess the general um, consensus of what I saw, like in the Twitter sphere and any of that, was like it was better than people expected it would be, basically. That the yeah, that's even though the that's even though the, the mix is stale, the match quality right. was good. Right. Um, 
I mean, there's not much they can do about the the mix. If they're if they don't want to bring up new talent and promote them and do what they need to do, then you're going to be left with with stale mixtures and and matchups that you've seen a million times, like Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Um, that, that there's not much you can do about that. But yeah, the actual matches uh, were very good. Uh, yeah, I'd probably give it a solid B B plus okay. overall. So it was good. They were doing um, good work. But it's WWE, so there's all you know. There's always something that you can criticize or talk ah. about or whatever. Uh, so the joke, of course, was that it was WrestleMania, um, I heard. and that joke comes from the fact that the show was delayed a half hour because it was raining down there in Tampa, uh, so they couldn't get started uh, on time. And so what they did to fill that time was they basically had some of the wrestlers come out and basically cut like cold promos. Um, and like old school, like I'm gonna get you, and when I get you in the ring, I'm gonna oh, do this yeah. and do that. Where's that mean type Gene? of thing? Oh man, the uh, rest in peace, Mean Gene. He would have been, uh, he would have loved uh, ad libbing on the on the square there. Uh, but that was like the best thing, like because so many of these people's promos during the uh, actual uh, Raw and SmackDown shows are so over scripted and so heavy handed and uh, you got to hit these talking points. You got to say these words and emphasize, you know, this particular point and whatnot. And that's not how any of these people got to where they are as as pro wrestlers. They got there because they have talent, and you know, right. most of them anyway uh, have actual talent where they can ad lib and and do what they got to do off the top of their heads. Uh, or even if you let them, you know take some time and prepare it and, and maybe uh, sketch it out in their head. It, it's still better than these guys. Uh, a lot of them are Hollywood writers, want to be Hollywood writers sitting there trying to write scripts for, for these wrestlers. And so that's part of why it's so bad usually. Um, but yeah, when you just let these guys kind of go on their own, it's so much better. And the criticism is that already I was reading about this, the uh, WrestleMania, when you go on Peacock or WWE Network and you try to watch that WrestleMania with the half hour rain delay, the best part of it to a lot of people were those half hour on the you know off the cuff uh, promos. Those are gone. Those never happened. Oh, they just they disappeared them like they're in Effingham. They, they just yeah, they've been wad them. Uh, that's right. They just cut them right out because they were off script. Exactly. They were off message and off script. And and they showed yeah. real talent. And you can't have that. So that's wow. really disappointing, the fact that they cut those out. Because they, they, there's no reason not to leave them in. They weren't all perfect. But a lot of the crap that you film aren't all perfect, and you keep it in there anyway. Uh, um, yes. Well, anyway, that the actual wrestling, yes, was, was very, very good. Uh, the... Uh, Bad Bunny uh, match, the, the rapper um, that got in there and, and wrestled was seven trillion times better than it had any right to be. And we have something like that where somebody comes in and looks uh, unbelievably good. Uh, first, you have to credit the people that trained him up for, for doing a great job of, of training him. And then you go yeah. to the talent himself and you and you give him the credit for uh, putting in the work and, and yeah actually dedicating themselves to doing what you got to do to be that good. And then you go to the people uh, that he wrestled against and worked with, which in this case was the Miz and, and John Morrison. 
and okay. you give them the credit for for making them look like a million bucks and then bumping around for them and and of course there's a way to do that that is over the top and looks stupid and Jerry and I brought this up on the on the last show the sort of uh the, 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 the bottom of the barrel of the toilet stool of uh, trying to make a celebrity look good uh, at the expense of yourself is when Hulk Hogan had to sell uh, an ass kicking by Jay Leno. And you can really <laughs> pretty much put a hole in the entire industry when you do that because nobody oh. watching that takes it seriously at all anymore. Like you're already suspending disbelief to watch wrestling to begin with. And then when you see Jay, you know, fat, out of shape, gray hair Jay Leno trying to beat up Hulk Hogan uh, and putting a hammerlock on him, it's like, okay, what am I doing? Why am I watching this? Uh, so there's a way, <laughs> there's a way to make a celebrity look really good without putting it over the top and making it look like a complete clown show. And the Miz and Morrison made Bad Bunny look really good, and Bad Bunny also did some great stuff on his own. And okay. just kudos all around on that particular match um, that all of them deserve great credit for, for making him look like a million dollars and he, he was asked. Got to give him credit. And then um, the two did he wins win? matches, uh, he did. He okay. On um, to being a tag team match, uh, and his partner Damian Priest won. But yeah, he, he basically did, you know, most of the work in the match and and, and looked great doing it. Um, and then the two women matches that we talked about that were clearly set up for the younger women to go over and become bigger stars uh, based on their performance, those are also great. Uh, specifically, uh, Bianca Belair over Sasha Banks uh, was an incredible match, one of the better women's matches you're going to see uh, anytime, anywhere. They really uh, outdid themselves. Um, I'm, I'm reading that Sasha Banks is basically the one that puts a lot of those matches together, uh, the ones that she's involved in. So she's gaining a reputation as one of the better uh, uh, match creators, and that's great to, to see that she's getting that credit. Um, they uh, the, the ending came where Bianca Belair uh, is a black woman. She has a long-ass braid that she wrestles with. It's always yeah. getting uh, in everyone's way, and you, you can trip over it. It's, it's that long. It's on the ground and whatnot. Uh, at one point, she takes the braid and whips Sasha Banks across her bare stomach with it one time. Oh. And the sound that it made, you it makes you, it, you should want to go get Peacock just to get the WrestleMania replay to hear the sound of this braid smacking Sasha Banks across the stomach, although you can probably search it on YouTube and find it for free. Probably. Um, it was ungodly, and it left, like, a large mark. Like, it was real, and it sounded real. And, you know, you can play with the mics and make it sound uh, incredible as well. But And they probably did that as well, probably turned it up right at the right moment. But, oh, my God, when she hit it, I, was, I screamed out. I said, oh, because you could tell she really cracked her, and then she put her away with her finishing move and won the match that way. But, you know, for 15 minutes before that, they had a re really good wrestling match and, and led up to, to that moment. So they definitely made a, a new star out of uh, Bianca. So that was great to see as well. I told you that the, uh, the AJ Styles and the big Nigerian thing match, uh, the tag team match was going to go their way because they had made AJ Styles look like a, a chump all these weeks leading up. And that's exactly what happened. Um, he got beat up a little bit and he tagged into the big Nigerian guy and he'd never done anything in the ring. And so everybody was watching to see what he's going to do. And, and this is, again, you give credit to new day for bouncing around and he's throwing them in the air and making them look like rag dolls. And they're you know bouncing off of him and making him look like a, a million dollars. 
Uh, so credit to them. And uh, he uh, did what he, whatever it was that he did and, and big choke slam and, and whatever power moves that he could bring out. And he just bumped around and act like he killed them. And he put a foot on top of them and pinned them with one foot and just looked like a complete monster. And that's fine, but that's, that's tired. That's just, this. It's a big guy. That's what they do with almost all their big guys. Is they have them come in and dominate and look like a, a monster. And it, it used to be that they would do that to set them up uh, to kill all the, the good guys, so that Hulk Hogan would be the last man standing and set up a big, you know, feud for for six months where Hogan's going around the, around the country beating up this big guy that's beat up everyone else, which was great and it worked just crazily excellent in 1987. Uh, this is in 1987. So you don't have to do it that way, but they, you know, it's Vince McMahon. He still has to on over you guys. Uh, so it is what it is. Um, Braun Strowman threw Shane McMahon off the cage, back down to the ring. Uh, they tried to make it look special because they had Shane McMahon on the outside of the cage climbing out, and they uh, gimmicked it where Braun Strowman was able to push the cage in through the inside, reach in and grab Shane McMahon off the cage like he was a, an insect, and bring him back in through the ring and throw him uh, into the ring through the, through the cage off the top of the ropes or whatever. So they tried. Uh, they tried to make it look special, but it, it, who cares? It's Shane McMahon. He got his big bump, right? That's what he was there for. He get, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if he came that, you know, off the cage through the tables um, like Mick Foley, then he, I'm sure he would have done that. But uh, I, I guess he's smart enough not to do something quite that stupid. That's good. Um, so that was uh, – and. The, the, again, the splitting up of the nights, that was night one. All of that was night one. There's like three or four other matches that happened that I didn't even talk about. Uh, Bobby Lashley actually beat Drew McIntyre and, and kept the WWE title, which shocked me. Um, I think they did that just because they were trying to find some things to, to mix up and not have so many obvious things. Because I really think uh, McIntyre is still going to win the championship. I think McIntyre is going to fight him on the next show on the next pay-per-view, and he's probably going to win the title there. So they're you know, going to do that. Um, but think about how long, you know, how, how long that sounded, that night one with all those matches I just told you about. Um, and then there was, there's a night two. And imagine, right. you know, a couple couple years ago, they were fitting all of that in one day. Like, we're, you know, some of those would be on a pre-show and some of those would be on a pre-pre-show. Uh, but basically they would start, you know, wrestling at like 2, 3 in the afternoon. And no one need to like the clock that night. That is just dead. nobody that has been through this. So, um, but the certainly way they go to night two, they start off with uh, Randy and, and the Fiend. This was the worst um, of of everything that happened at WrestleMania because, again, think about uh, what I told you about that story. They they have their feud. The Fiend is is unbeatable. He's indestructible. Randy Orton finds a way to set the fiend on fire. The fiend is gone for uh, about two or three months, and then the fiend comes back, and he's just got a, a black outfit and crispy cr- uh, critter and uh, black mask, and and he's he's whatever burning that happened to him, he survived it and, and recuperated and came back. So now you set the man on fire, and he came back, and now you're going to have another match at WrestleMania. So what the hell's gonna happen now? You're gonna have to like put a, a axe through his neck. What what, what can you possibly do to the guy? I, I I don't. You're gonna yeah drone strike him from from the sky. I don't know what you could do to the guy. And what happens? Alexa Bliss 
I guess, turns on the fiend by distracting him by, by having goo come out of her face and whatnot. And then the fiend. Yeah. Oh, no. And then the fiend turns around, Randy Orton RKO's him and pins him one, two, three. (laughs) Set him on fire. And the guy came back. But RKO, oh, he's dead. Just to get distracted by goo. Yes. Get distracted. (laughs) There's I don't know there there's there's a story they're trying to tell and I, I don't follow it's, it's they're trying to get like really deep and and now, did, into, did they do any of the cinematic matches they did not they that okay was, so they stayed away was, from that right that was in front of the crowd just like all the other matches okay but I don't I can't imagine that was the plan. I really can't imagine that's what they I, I think that's another one where they just kind of painted themselves into a corner and Let's write a story where the guy gets set on fire, but he comes back and sets up a rematch. Now what? Uh, if we just have Randy Orton win clean. With an RKO. Fire? Ah, nothing. RKO? Oh, death. He's done. <laughs> that, that was not good at all. Uh, um, okay. They had the uh, the YouTube showed Logan Paul. He uh, The people were booing him. The because he's he's an idiot, nobody cared. Uh, they had Hulk Hogan hosting, uh, along with Titus O'Neil. That people were booing Hulk Hogan because he's a complete nobody now, and and he's old and uh, had some you know incidents uh, where he got secretly taped with his yeah. best friend's lover and uh, oh, or his best man. friend's wife rather. Yeah, and then the um, daughter, the incident with the daughter. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of incidents. Yeah. So basically, one wants to see all Golden right now, uh, or maybe um, they they had the uh, United States title change when Sheamus beat Matt Riddle, and the only thing, uh, the only reason to bring that up is because they actually came up with a real cool finish for that. They had Matt Riddle bouncing off the ropes and doing a moonsault, and in midair, Sheamus hit him with a kick to the mouth, and that's how he beat him. And whoa. He, he hit him a little too hard because Riddle was bleeding. So, uh oh, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't supposed to hit him quite that good. But you know, it's a man in midair. You don't really know. You know, you, you can't gauge how you know where he is exactly. You're not used to kicking somebody who's yeah. coming at you in midair like that. I believe, but was, I believe the a, term would be he hit him stiff. Ooh, very good. Nice. Thank you. I pay attention. Um, or, or he potatoed him. That's another one. He potatoed him. Okay. He, yep. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a cool. So it finish. looked a little like too that. real, is what you're saying, because it was. Well, when a guy comes up bleeding from the mouth from the kick, oh, that's, that's yeah. definitely too real. Yeah, I'm, guessing, you, was that a, I'm guessing when he came up like that, that was a quick pin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was definitely a quick pin. Yes. Um, and then so the Nigerian drum fight then takes place with uh, Apollo Cruz beating Big E to to win the Intercontinental Title. That was dumb because um, they – I don't know what the point of the uh, the Nigerian drum thing. All they – they, 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 they had some – racist. It kind of is. They All they had was like a couple of bongos around ringside, and they had a big cymbal, oh. uh, and uh, oh. and then they, they hit each other with some drums every now and then, and it, it was it was dumb. Uh, oh, and, man. And oh, not man, only that, Vince, Vince McMahon, you just uh, can't oh, get out of your old man. It, it's what can you say? It's Vince McMahon. 
Um, and it's not just. Well, I'm surprised just, you didn't have him eating watermelon. <laughs> that's pretty much coming up later. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, the next, that's the next pay-per-view. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're WWE. Gonna 40, they're going to drink 40s and eat watermelon. <laughs> WWE the next fried oh, chicken live on pay-per-view. <laughs> um, and but then it was also dumb, also because it was all um, the match was the point was to introduce another big guy, uh, some some. Oh, big guy came, okay. came out and, and attacked uh, Big E and hit him in the throat with his thumb or something, and that's how uh, Apollo Crews won the match. It's, so just, that's what you just think about the WWE and, and, and the way it just plays to the lowest common denominator stereotype of all the racial groups. Pretty much. You know, and, and I, I, you much know I, I, I just immediately think of like Hornswoggle. You know, <laughs> right. Hey, we yeah. got this midget. Well, we obviously got to make him a leprechaun. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, come on. And, and, and smudge his face <sighs> with dirt because, you know, he's a dirty leprechaun. You know, he's still, Irish. I still think one of my favorite things ever was when we were watching that episode of Raw and Hornswoggle had to fight William Regal because they were doing, <laughs> like, a tournament. Remember? It was supposed yeah. to be, like, the tournament. And they yeah. were the final, I believe. <laughs> or close we, to it. And we expected that it was going to be, uh, you know, like a real match, and it turned out to be a squash. It was literally just like a seven-second match. put one hold on him and then yeah. yes. <laughs> Which is it what you're supposed glorious. to do. It was glorious. Yeah. Because it was what should have happened. Exactly. But because you didn't expect what – that's too obvious. And then when it did happen, it was sort of like, oh, you subverted my expectations by doing the most obvious thing. Because nine out of ten times before, they would have had Hornswoggle kick his ass and go over. Yeah, they would have totally had him go over, but no, he just literally got stopped. <laughs> and it was surprising, yes. I definitely remember that. Oh, um, God. So that was, that yeah. Was, that's, yeah, I remember us watching that. And that <laughs> it, it just one of my favorite moments ever. You know, I was, I was, I was in for, for, for Regal. It's your guy. He was my guy. He was hilarious. He's, he's still around. He's the NXT commissioner, uh, by the oh, way. Oh man, just hilarious. Just, yeah, just you know, the, the, he, had the, he had the thing that makes you laugh. He reminded you of like the old school guys with the showmanship, right? And you always talked about that. What a good technical wrestler he was, and yeah, he just had that. You know, he, like it was, you liked those big personalities, and that guy just for some reason when he was, when he was the chairman of Raw or whatever he was, he just cracked me up. Yeah, you, no one could touch him in the ring, so that was my favorite. But what you're talking about is the uh, the the, per, the personality. The uh, nobody yeah. looked like he was less uh, enthused to be there, whatever arena, better than William Regal. He had this look <laughs> on his face like he was smelling something foul all the time, and nobody could touch that. And that's oh. you, you can't you can't beat that when you got those facials. That everyone yeah. knows what you're thinking the moment you walk in the arena. You don't have to do anything. You just have to look. Yeah. And, and, and everyone and, for, and forever gave us the ability to call Triple H, Triple H. Triple H? Triple H. <laughs> Gotta love it. So there you go. My little bit, my little journey into the Wayback Machine, way back to 2007, 2008. <laughs> Hey, the when the best, of, you know, when the best, when the best show who that they're the best, you remember it. That's why they're the best, right? 
that that yeah that was that was but that you know so I always I, you know I don't know I, I I guess you know like I said I, I'm like the non wrestling fan but I know about wrestling because it's not hard to follow it, it's you know obviously that's true that's true but I do appreciate you know I, I like a good laugh and that made me laugh. <laughs> You get a lot of laughs when you're watching wrestling, too, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, Rhea Ripley go over for the Raw, you know, younger star over the uh, the older, you know, just what they did with uh, uh, Bailey and – or not Bailey, but um, Bianca Belair and, and Sasha Banks. So, one in one night and one in the other, that's fine. And then triple threat match, they had Roman Reigns go over, and that shocked me as well because I thought they were going to do all this to have the the forty seven year old Edge come in and show that he's the, he's still the man just because he's got star power or whatnot. Um, but they actually like squashed it. Uh, well, squash is a, a the wrong term. It was a twenty minute match, right? Um, okay, Edge that's, and that's pretty Edge, like that's that's good. That's lengthy. Yeah, Edge and Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. Uh, but the ending was like I call it a squash because it was so dominant. It was where uh, Edge took out Daniel Bryan with uh, the a chair to the head. They call it the concerto when you lay the guy's head on ah. one chair on the on the ground and smashed it with the other chair. Oh, uh, and that's yeah. When that was that's Edge's uh, big finisher, uh, you know, in in hardcore matches. So when he does that, that that's over. Like nobody gets up from that, right? So he did that to Daniel Bryan, but then he wasn't able to take advantage because it's a triple threat match. So Reigns was able to come back and, and take him out with a spear or whatever. And then Reigns gave the concerto to Edge. And Daniel Bryan is still out from his concerto. So then Roman Reigns takes Edge's body and stacks it up on top of Daniel Bryan and pins them both at the same time. So that's why I said squash, because you never, ever see yeah. a triple threat match where one guy beats the other two at the same time. Like, you never see that. So okay. that was that was very different. That was very interesting, and that I understand much better because you can. It, it looks like they're going to try to keep Roman Reigns as the man all the way to probably next year, uh, WrestleMania in Dallas. They already announced it's going to be in Dallas next year at that that big ass stadium down there. Uh, so if The Rock is is free, they'll probably build something up and and have them come in and try to take out Roman Reigns at that point. So. Uh, you know, I can, I can I can see that. I can understand building to to something like that and making Roman Reigns like the big heavy, the big guy that that can't be beat. Uh, yeah, you know, he'll be the big to, he'll be the big bad. Where now you have Rock coming back in as the good guy. Right. Yeah, because now wasn't Rock like a heel like most of his run? Uh, or no, he most, had that. He was a bad guy for the first like couple of years of the run, and okay. then the rest of the way he was he was. The good guy because he was just yeah, he everyone loved him. Right, he, he was the bad guy, but everybody liked him, so you might as yeah, well just make him the good guy, right? Talk talk about personality. Like you, you couldn't help but like him because he was just so off the page with with everything that he did in the ring. So yeah, that's that's basically how that happened. So, so I haven't watched Roman Reigns wrestle now. If he does, does, does he have more than two moves? Has he gotten no. better? No. Okay, so he's still he, he doesn't have to spear in a punch. Yeah. Okay, you know, but the All right. big, big guy glowering and, and stalking around the ring and, and daring you to beat him. He doesn't have to have more than two moves. The problem okay. was trying to shove him down everyone's throat as a good guy with those two moves. No one was buying that. That that's Got the problem. You're, you're the good guy. You're supposed to have some, you know, supposed to bring something else to the table. 
and he really doesn't. So that's, but but they but they're doing the right thing with him now, making him a bad guy. So the the only other drama about it was the fans that were there were they going to treat him as the bad guy? Or were they going to cheer for him because he's uh, the good guy? So he got a lot of booze on the telecast. Edge and Daniel Bryan got a whole lot of cheers. But I say that with a grain of salt because I I think they definitely were sweetening the uh, the audio because oh they were the, pumping the, some audio in. When Edge came out, that pop sounded like there were 90,000 people there, and it was like 20,000. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah, I don't buy that at all. And the boos, when when Reigns came out, it sounded like there were, you know, 80,000 people booing him, and there was, like I said, only 20,000 people there. So, uh, like I I was kind of figuring, they're going to do the reactions that they want done because now a whole year of sweetening sound because they didn't have people – I think now it's just something they're going to do from this point forward. And, you know, I think they're through that, that, that looking glass and they're basically going to sweeten the sound anytime they want to from this point forward. And, and I don't really trust anything. I don't, I wouldn't trust any reaction you hear out of, out of a WWE show from now, you know, until the end of time. Cause wow. again, if you, if you watch a WWE show and you listen to those, when, when I'm talking about when people come back, yeah. watch a WWE show, listen to those sounds and watch, uh, an AEW show or any other wrestling league, basically, and listen to those sounds, listen to how different it sounds when people do things on other shows as opposed to when they do them on WWE shows. That's not just the the WWE fans are trained better. That's got to be some sweetening going on as well because it's just too obvious. But but that's my opinion. You know, watch and judge for yourself is all I can say. I felt about that. So that was, but yeah, very, very good show. Definitely glad that they split it up into two nights because it would have been hell otherwise. So for that two days, I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but it's better than trying to do it all in one. Much better. Much, much better. Oh my God. So we've got the draft coming up this week. What I need to know from you is which night are we doing the aftermath? Because I always forget. I know I ask you this every year. Do, do we do it night one after the are first we, round is, yeah, is almost over? Are we, do we getting, do it night two? The first round is all still going to be Thursday night. Thursday night. Two and three are Friday night. Two and three are Friday. Okay. So. You know, and it's all, it, it's sort of it's sort of a horse apiece for me. I work all three of those days. I'm up at the same time after that every time. Um, I would probably rather do a nine o'clock show on Friday than a ten or ten thirty on Thursday. That, that makes perfect sense to me. That makes sense. Yeah, because I can I could do an earlier show. I don't want to do a nine o'clock show on. Thursday, and we're still in the middle of the first round. Right. We only have pick 18 at that point. Yeah, so I'd rather do a 9 o'clock show on Friday, on Friday so that we actually have the whole, we have the totality of the first round plus a little bit of the second and third round action underway. Sounds perfectly fine to me. It's so probably how I, we do it every year. I just keep forgetting. Yeah. Well, one year we had to do an aftermath aftermath. <laughs> when our connection was really, really bad. Hopefully we don't ever have it that bad. Yeah, I'm going to also uh, try to figure out how I'm going to watch the, the draft. Ah, you got 
four or five days to figure that out. Because I have no uh, live TV options. So I'm going to have to figure. It says that there are apps uh, that you'll be able to watch it on. So I'm going to okay. figure out if there are any uh, free apps. But it says you can watch it on the ESPN app, the NFL mobile app. With that one sounds like it would probably be the most likely one to be free. Um, I don't have Sling or any of those because I don't actually I actually don't have a subscription live TV service right now. Everything that we have is strictly uh, just like Netflix, Hulu, you know, streaming. Um, I have Hulu, but not Hulu Live. Uh, um, I I literally could find myself signing up for a free trial <laughs> of something. Right. Well, it's just with this no contract thing now. You can literally turn something on, right? Watch for a month and then turn it right off. But I do want to be able to watch um, watch the draft. So, or I know I'll be at least the first hour of it if it starts at seven. Like I suspect it will on uh, Thursday. I'm guessing it starts at seven. Um, see it at six or seven. One of the two. Yeah. Let me let me see here. Uh, yes, first round will begin Thursday at seven. Okay. Um, east seven Eastern. Oh, okay. So, six, so uh, seven o'clock, eight 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 Eastern, eight Eastern, seven oh, Central. Gotcha. So that will work. Um, so that means I'm actually leaving work when the draft starts. So I will be driving home for the first hour of the draft, and then I'll be watching it. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised it's not going to be uh, Prime, uh, you know, like streaming on Prime or Twitter this year. Yeah, I don't know how so, they uh, how they do. I think those rights are like for the games only, and it's for millions yeah. and millions of dollars. So I guess they're not opening that up to the draft quite yet. Yeah, but there that would be preferable. Uh, but no, I'll be getting a lot of it on the radio, which I actually prefer, I like the I like the radio uh, feed. The first, uh, my first experience with it driving home for part of it was actually uh, pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, little, little drama at the top of the draft. Um, you know, once you get past the first two uh, picks, which we expect are going to be, I believe, uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson, I believe, uh, because apparently now the thing we do is everybody just takes a quarterback at the top of the first round and panics. Uh, although I understand the Trevor Lawrence pick in the Jets traded Sam Darnold for basically nothing. Um, and then it gets more interesting when you get into the 3-4 range with San Francisco and Atlanta. And there's a, a lot of people think Atlanta's going to trade out of that spot. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, this is crazy with the, what, five quarterbacks that are scheduled to possibly go in the first <sighs> round? It, it, but yeah, five might go in the top five. You literally might just have <laughs> the, the, the panic of these teams to just yeah. lose their shit and, and trade into the top just to get this quarterback who's probably talent wise, nowhere even on the board at those spots now. And I understand that this is the product that we've talked about on the show for years now without the rookie salary cap is that you can really, you can go after the quarterback swing and miss and you're not like destroying your franchise for a decade. Right. Just cycle around two years later and, Try another one. Yeah, I mean, if you if you draft the guys really high and you stink that bad, you're going to get another chance. Jets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, 
You tried the Sam Darnold thing. It was a disaster. You traded them, and you move on, and, and you're not, you don't owe him, and you don't owe him $80 million or whatever it is, right? It's, right. It literally costs you just a few bad years, and now you can try to retool and, and reload and go get yourself another quarterback and try again. It's just you keep seeing these teams that they suck, and you see this at the top of the draft over and over and over and over again, maybe I'm starting to wonder if it's the quarterbacks they're drafting or if it's just they're, you know, a clown show. Yeah, maybe the people picking these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing, maybe. Because if if Sam Darnold goes to Carolina and, and becomes serviceable even, you might look around and go, maybe it's the uh, Maybe hey, it's you. Yeah, maybe you guys didn't coach him up. <laughs> You got the Niners drafting at three, and everybody just assumes they've given up on Jimmy G. You took him to a Super Bowl, by the way, two years ago. Yeah, but you fall out of love real quick. Uh, Man. Jer- Jared Goff took the Rams to the Super Bowl three years ago. Where is yeah. he? Detroit. Hmm. Detroit. He was drafting at seven. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I'm Detroit, I get him. I get him somebody, right? Give him help. To compete, sure. You know Carolina at eight. They just tra- they just traded for the quarterback. You know the teams who seem to do the best through this process. What I've noticed, the teams who seem to benefit the most aren't the teams that are per- like perennially at the top of the draft. Like they always suck. Like you know, like Jacksonville has been more recently in Cincinnati. It's the teams that are good that don't belong at the top of the draft, like, right? Mm-hmm. And they're the teams that seem to make the smart moves. I'm, like, they have aren't you ever seen, always jumping on the quarterbacks. Right. Like, if you see Baltimore at the top of the draft for some reason or in, in the top half, or if you see, like, San Francisco, I, I really don't understand if San Francisco loses their shit for the quarterback. If I'm San Francisco and – you, that division is very winnable. I'm just going to say I trade out at three, and I just load up. I fleece somebody at three. There's five days to go. There, that, there's a it's lot of teams fun. up there that, that yeah. might decide to, to do that and fleece somebody. I'll tell you exactly who they need to fleece. The same team they fleeced the last time, the Bears. No, no, leave my Bears alone. Because no. they, they fleeced them. <laughs> I know. I when they, know. When, aren't they the ones who got the Bears to lose their <sighs> lose their shit and jump up for Trubisky? Uh, awful trade, awful, awful dark day in they, Bears history. They flip flopped those picks, and then who did the Niners end up out of that with? Was that Solomon Thomas? I think so. <laughs> they were going to take anyway. Okay. Yeah. The guy they wanted anyways. Like, they, they, nobody had Trubisky going as high as he went. And then all of a sudden they just, oh, man. That's one of the all-timers. It is. I, mean, I remember yeah. texting you after that happened. And I, 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 even through text, I could feel the fury coming off my phone. Uh, it, I don't know if I was mad. I was just more like kind of really shy. Like, what, what, what are we doing? Like, what, what did they do? What is like, this? what are you doing? What are you doing? So, I definitely remember being on social media about that. Twitter exploded. Oh, man. Yeah, so all these teams that are 
there's teams that need quarterbacks, and they're all looking to, they're all trying to jump in, jump in, jump in, you know. And it's just, if I'm San Francisco, if I'm Atlanta, if I'm Cincinnati, you just drafted your quarterback. So unless you're going to take like the big beefy offensive lineman, which we're probably going to, whoever the best one is, will probably be there at five. You get Joe Burrow a little help so he's not running for his life. You already got him killed once. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know? I'm sure they're going to shore that up. Yeah, so it'll be fun. I, I'm excited for this draft. I'm more excited for a draft because of the just this tendency now of teams to to go crazy and literally go insane for the quarterback. And then you just watch these other teams, the shrewd teams, take advantage of that. And you just really could tell the difference between like the well-run organizations and the dumpster fires. And that's what the, the entertainment value comes in, in watching some of those machinations go down and, and seeing some of these teams that yeah, you clearly know that they don't know what they're doing and they prove it over and over again. And you just kind of watch and go, Oh yeah. So be fun. I'm excited. That's our, our next show. Uh, Friday night is coming Friday, Friday night. It's a, quick, it's a quick turnaround. It is. Uh, that we'll be doing our 2021 NFL draft aftermath, recapping the action of the first round, some of the uh, hilarity that ensues with, with all of those characters and all those tra- uh, trade machinations going up and going down. Uh, I'll be handling the ESPN end of things. So whatever app you're thinking of going with NFL yeah. network, you were saying, um, that's, that'll be the way to go, and I'll be keeping up with the, the yeah. debut of Mike Greenberg as uh, yeah. the, the NFL draft is analyst. This, is this oh, your punishment? This is your is. punishment for losing it the – For getting absolutely yeah. routed by you in the uh, <laughs> March Badness bracket. Uh, that that's all time. You got, like, boat raised. I'm sorry. I didn't I, even I did. realize it was going to – I didn't realize how good my bracket was until, like, the end. You know, you actually had to point it out to me because you were out of it for so long that, you you know, I had to stop looking and you actually had to give me. So I appreciated that you pointed that out, that I even had like the team losing in the final and three out of the four um, final four teams. So I, I felt good. You should because you did damn good. Was, I don't know if anyone can touch that like ever. That, that was that was you hit that head on. I, I don't know how you did it, but you did. It. I, I so. Let's just say. I I was due because <laughs> you'd been <laughs> you'd been you'd been beating me it, it, that they they weren't like like I just I, I took out years of uh, bracket frustration on you this year I guess would be the way to say it yeah yeah it, you sure you, you sure did there's no doubt and about that I don't want to point out your fatal flaw but you had a lot of Big Ten teams going pretty far I won't be doing that again <laughs> but when I do it next year. You know you're screwed. <laughs> and win with it, yes. And win, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Purdue win the title next year. Oh, no. No, that won't he's happen. Call, he's calling it in April, folks. If Purdue wins the title next year, uh, <laughs> we could we could bring back the Nostradamus uh, yeah. moniker. Well, if, if this picked up, because we're officially in the uh, after show, after show now, because it's got yeah. the uh, the episode has ended graphic up on my screen, ah. though we're still going. Well, I know you have to watch the ESPN this year. I'm going to really give you the, the sorry, not sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you feel my pain. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's coming up uh, this Friday. Yeah, very quick turnaround. So 
uh, and and uh, the Kentucky Derby is is coming up the next day after that Saturday. I'll, I'll have some Derby thoughts as well because uh, I, I was watching a lot of those prep races and some of those horses. Uh, I don't remember feeling like this before. There were like three or four prep races where I said, okay, that horse isn't winning the Derby for different reasons. Like there's something that I saw oh. even in the in the horse that won the prep where I'm like, uh, no, that he can't do that in the Derby. <laughs> So I, I don't know who I'm going to pick, but there's a uh, few of them. They're like, no way. So we'll, we'll, well that's, that's good. A lot of, a lot of content. We've been given a lot of content. And yeah, it was a good show tonight. Uh, for again, not seeing any of the movies. Thank <laughs> God we have Dave to bail us out. In, indeed. All right. Uh, unless you had anything else. No, I'm going to bed. I hear you. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been the Oscars preview version of Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Yes, it's all about the branding. Uh, we will be back Friday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, to recap re- uh, I'm sorry, night one of the NFL yep. Draft. It's our NFL Draft Aftermath show. Friday night. A special, fr- a special Friday edition. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Of, of the Thursday night draft. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that branding in. Got to do it. <laughs> all right. We will see you and talk to you all Friday night and the rest of the weekend. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.